I told you he'd be happy that we remembered him. This Christmas, Santa's <laughs> going to make everyone happy. The grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas evil. The non-believers. And the screamers. And this Christmas, you better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Greg. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. Bloody Pit. This is episode 77, and tonight I am joined by my two once-a-year partners in crime for our holiday horror episode. With me is thing number one, that would be Troy Gwynn, and thing number two, John Hudson. People, these guys are dangerous at any time of the year, and at the holidays you want to keep them away from spiked eggnog, edged weapons, and anything resembling a tree. Yeah, see, we all know Rob... Rob. Rod. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was about to say Rob is somebody else. Yeah, we all know that this is your favorite threesome and you look forward to this every year. <laughs> well, I can only really afford physically to do it once a year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you're True. probably right. It's probably True. right. I, if I take you on one at a time, I'll survive. <laughs> but once a year, I feel, you know, throw caution to the winds, take a holiday kind of, you know, plunge into the excess that is a threesome with you two. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like mm-hmm. you've got that strict training regimen, too. It's like when Will Smith trained to be Muhammad Ali, and he had to train for just <laughs> months and months. And you've got the same kind of thing with special uh, diet yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. cardio. I think, I think I lead up to it with a lot of Halloween candy. That's what, <laughs> what it boils yeah, down yeah, to. Yeah. It's what got me here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> A lot of cheap, just-after-the-holiday Halloween candy. That's, that's, that's the way I go with that. So, yeah. Tonight, folks, we uh, this will be our fourth. We were yeah. sure it's the mm-hmm. fourth one, right? The fourth mm-hmm. one, yeah. Okay, fourth so holiday horrors. Fourth annual holiday horrors episode. And we're finally getting to uh, one of the two big ones in my way of looking at this stuff, which is, uh, the other one is Black Christmas, but this year we're mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. Christmas Evil. Christmas Evil, yes. Uh, 1980s Christmas mm-hmm. Evil. Uh, a film that, until it came out on uh, Synapse DVD a few years ago, I had never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, before we get go to, well, before we jump the gun, did either of you have any uh, housekeeping at the front of the show that you wanted to get to? Anything that you wanted to make note of? Anything maybe holiday themed that you'd seen or caught lately that uh, might be a good thing to uh, let the rest of the world know about? Not really. Okay. Um, not really holiday themed. Oh, um, well. I've been watching a lot of stuff. <laughs> you, you watching stuff? That's hard to believe. Oh. <laughs> Sir, that sounds like a, ho- a horse, a horseman pile the size of a man. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's a, there's a Roger Corman movie in there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you dig down far enough, you'll find a poorly edited action scene. So then I had the idea yes. that a pile of manure could be shaped like a man and it can suddenly walk. And I said to Peter Fonda, <laughs> Perhaps if we had $35 and some sucker that we could con into making this into a suit, <laughs> well, what, 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 what have you uh, what have you seen here lately? See that you put me on the spot. I've seen. Oh, well, I'll, I'll front one thing. Okay, uh, you go ahead first. And I, I'll I, I wanted I, I wanted to point out that uh, I finally caught it to uh, our your my Troy, your friend and mine, uh, Court Psyops, recommended uh, during the uh, during October. He recommended the film Summer of '84. Yeah, I've heard which, about this. Yeah, movie. which just came out this year. Uh, it turns out to be a Canadian film. They're getting better at this because it fooled me. <laughs> I didn't see anything Canadian in there, and yeah. I'll pile on because I'll, I'll join you as we go. Because I I watched that just uh, two days ago. Yeah, I was uh, court had, court was just raving about it because mm-hmm. he's like watched it three times mm-hmm. this year. Once he discovered it, he just watched it a couple more times. And I have to admit, I think he's I think he's spot on. It was a really surprising film. It, it's it's a story that in one variation or another you've probably seen if you've watched enough horror films, which is the uh, the whole idea of a, a you know a, a younger a younger boy. I mean, there's even a variation of it in Fright Night, for God's sake, which is a a, a young boy in suburbia who can, becomes convinced that his next door neighbor is a murderer, and uh, you know that's just the the broad outline of what it does. And it takes place in the summer of 1984, and it's really really well done. It did not. It took some very uh, interesting turns. And it's just uh, I I love the uh, I love the the ending the ending I did not believe that they were going to be I, I I couldn't believe they did what they did at the end not that it's you know some knockdown drag out violent bloody thing it's just that the ideas they play with at the end mm-hmm. are just really something that I didn't expect a a film to do so cool. and one thing that I'm glad what finally got me of course course recommendation always counts but believe it or not I do listen to you when mm-hmm. you recommend oh my movies. god. Because I had read some reviews that were saying, like, ah, it's just this bland Stranger Things ripoff, which it oh, isn't. No. And no. it's like, it's set in the 80s, and there's some kids. And that, but, if that's your only point of it. reference, then you're, that's you're, you're missing and, the mark. Yeah. And, of course, setting in the <laughs> 80s, you, you automatically have, like, this sort of an innocence that isn't around anymore. Mm-hmm. Plus, the kids, when they're trying to figure out what's going on with this killer, they can't just look at their phones. They have to mm-hmm. go to the library, yep. and they have to do research, and they have to spy on the guy. <laughs> the microfiche scene cracked me up. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah. The, the, one, the one kid just slowly inching it yeah. along, and his friend goes, you're not going to break it. Give me it. <laughs> but it's not, a, it's not Stranger Things at all. No. And it's, it's, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I actually watched it immediately after I watched Mandy. Nicholas Cage, which I still have not seen. Uh, I want to say that I, I hear it. You know, the first half is really slow burn, and then it just turns into a bloodbath. In yeah, room. yeah. It's okay. um, not one to don't do mushrooms while you watch it because it, it will not enhance the good vibe. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it sounds like it was tailor made for a Cage. They say, oh, it he, was. They say you totally choose the scenery, but it's scenery that's made to be chewed in oh, a Nicholas Cage way, is. and it sounds like it's just a blast. So I'm, I'm really yeah, looking forward. It's perfect. To it. It's just like okay, just. Here's some scenery. Just chew it up, spit it out, chew it again. But it's good. And I watch both those. Always, I've been just singing the praises of Shudder recently. The, stream, the streaming service, which, I mean, I, I I can't bring myself to pay for another streaming service. I've got two and I'm done. I just, I, I, it's like I already have enough stuff to watch. Leave me well, I, I thought that, but it's like they've got so much good stuff. And it's not just like your Netflix D-level shot on video things. They don't really have a lot of that at all. A lot of a lot of good foreign stuff. Um, Joe Bob Briggs is coming back. 
See, that that's a bit of an enticement. I have yeah, to and his two marathons so far have been great, um, and it's only 50 bucks a year. Mm. Like, I watch Mandy and Summer of 84 back-to-back. That's my month right there as far as yeah. value, so I like it. So but you, I'm, I'm with you. I've got enough yeah, entertainment really options do. as it is, but mm. there's always room for more. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. There is yeah. always room for more. <laughs> it's it's maddening. <laughs> and then I will throw in one more since I don't want to just completely copy you. Is sure. I started watching the uh, Blood Island box set. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think all of us degenerates have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've only uh, I've only watched, uh, or I should say rewatch. Because I've seen them all before. Um, actually, the only one of those that's that I haven't seen is one that's not really one of the Blood Island films, but it got loose. Brain of Blood, right? The, uh, yeah, Al Adamson like, one, which is yeah, that's why it's not included in this set. It yeah. doesn't really, you know, when they released them on DVD years ago, they did kind of make that. They put it in that shoehorn that in. It's yeah, like I mean, part it of it, but you're right. Like it. It's really kind of a stand. It doesn't really belong. But well, plus, I think I'm but. hoping with the Adams and stuff that they're going to wait and do like a proper 4K restoration. <laughs> <laughs> so you can really feel the yeah. chintzy nature of <laughs> yeah. the, the low budget, just you know, shoestring joy. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, no. The only one I the only one I pulled out and watched and played with is um, my personal favorite of those, which is Mad Doctor of Blood Island. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really enjoy that. And what's hysterical is it's been years since I'd sat down and watched that one. And so uh, I settle, I settle in probably a day or two days after that set arrives in the mail. And uh, I've, I've explained to Beth what this is. And she's like, okay, well, this sounds, this sounds interesting. I said, well, now don't get your hopes up. This is not like, you know, this is not like great cinema. And she's like, well, yeah, whatever. She likes this stuff too. So we sit down and start watching Mad Doctor of Blood Island, and I suddenly realize as it, as it starts to play, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, Angelique Pettyjohn's in this. And she she goes, mm-hmm. what do I know her from? And I said, Gamesters of Triskelion, the Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. Which, coincidentally enough, for some odd reason, Rod pulled that disc out about six months ago and decided <laughs> to watch <laughs> to watch that episode of Star Trek. Just apropos of nothing. I, there's yeah. no good reason, really. It's really strange. And so Bethan goes, ah, yeah. And so then I had to like immediately like obfuscate everything and explain. Oh, by the way, in the eighties she did porn. <laughs> yeah, she did. I, you you beat me to it. <laughs> I'm like I'm like I trying to get I'm, try, yeah, I'm trying to get her mind immediately off the fact that. Oh, oh yeah. so 60s Angelique Pettyjohn is something you're going to return to on a regular basis. Maybe even now, maybe, maybe when yeah. I'm not around. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I was trying to remember. There was one really good one she did with Kay Parker, and I can't remember the name. I'm wanting to say it might have. It wasn't Body Talk. I don't mm. think, <laughs> but um. Oh, it was Body Talk. Oh, well, hey, well, hey, there you go. <laughs> How much porn did she do? Um, not a ton, I don't think. Just a handful. No. <laughs> <laughs> you char- you um, Charles Nelson rallied the fuck out of that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, now that we've spent a bit of a Christmas episode talking about 80s porn films, <laughs> we'll now segue into... Talking about the Christmas movie. Let's take a, a brief break and we'll come right back and dive into a discussion of Christmas Evil. Just how drunk are we gonna get? Welcome to Good Beer Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Kreitz. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. 
and peat. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. As we drag Kathleen. Kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. All right, fellas, here's your story. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Wait, Captain. I have found evidence of intelligent beings on this planet. Look to the skies, it's the B-Movie Cookbook. Menus inspired by 15 of your favorite B-movies from the 1950s, with teenage werewolves, blobs, and enough cheese for everyone. When we return to our planet, the High Court may well sentence you to torture. But until then, we've got Ed Wood and Vincent Price. There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. So impress your friends with dinner and a movie, with... The B-Movie Cookbook. We've got you covered. Get your copy today at bmoviecookbook.com. That's bmoviecookbook.com. Let me see that book. I am interested to see what sways your mind so heavily. Sure thing. Just visit bmoviecookbook.com. Anybody around here want some coffee? Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Riding down Santa Claus Lane. Christmas Evil, 1980. Not actually the uh, title of the film as it was in production, and actually... These days, the only way you're going to see this film is uh, a print that has the original title on it as the director and writer intended, and not the title Christmas Evil. The original title was but you uh, was You Better Watch Out, and uh, that is, uh, as I say, the title you'll see on the print that's on the uh, current Vinegar Syndrome mm-hmm. uh, Blu-ray and is also on the previous Synapse DVD release of the movie, both of which are fine options. If you've never seen this film, find, find a way to see it and then report back here because I have the feeling, by the way, warning up front, that I don't I don't see a clear path for the three of us to discuss this movie without talking a good deal about the final scenes. It would be yeah, I was gonna leave Yeah, I was gonna leave it up to you, boss man, but uh, depending on how much you wanted to how much you wanted to spoil this, but uh, if we're gonna but you just yeah, make that call yeah. and we'll just warn everybody that yeah. spoilers will be it's like we will we will tell you the Christmas present before you open it. So yeah, if you, yeah. If you so, don't want, so can we sound like the shock horn or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there will. Let's just say that there will come a point in the there will come there will come a point in the broadcast, boys and girls, mm-hmm. in which Uncle Rod will ring a bell or perhaps <clears throat> squeeze his balls and squeal really strangely, <laughs> and everyone will be knowing then. It's time to go to bed. Or to just turn the podcast off if you want to not have the end of the film spoiled. It's going to be a long night. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm already doing weird voices. I feel slightly over-caffeinated, but in a bizarre way. So, yeah. yeah, Here we go, children. So, uh, before we get get, uh, out, out of the gate here about the alternate titles... Uh, the other, t- the only other title that it seems to have been known by was a VHS title when mm-hmm. it was first released on video in the uh, in the eighties, 
under the title uh, Terror in Toyland, yeah. which um, I guess it kind of fits. I mean, you could. Kind of, but boy, that's maybe as much as Christmas Evil does. I mean, yeah, you know, it's yeah. either one leads to, I think, expectations that are probably not good ones to you. Yeah. I think your Better Watch Out is a little less... A little more subtle, maybe to an extent. Yeah. I think maybe it opens the, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like open a little with possibilities. I think when you say Christmas Evil or Terror in Toyland, you really, really are hammering there on the point that this is a horror movie, and I don't really know that it, it totally is. You know, it's, well, it's, it's. I, I was a little shocked that somewhere somebody didn't rename the film Psycho Santa. Yeah, oh, you know, sure. I mean, it could something have been even more, more exploitive of that, you know, along those lines. But I guess. Well, not. I think one, that's one thing that works against the film to, of course, modern audiences is at the time, you know, that the director was. Thought of this ten years before he made it, right? Mm-hmm. So we look back at it now. Anyway, looking at it, it's like, oh, here's this holiday slasher film, and yeah. oh, that's not was, yeah, but that's not what it is. I know, yeah. but that's almost like his bad luck, which I'm sure we'll yeah. talk about. Yeah, to get caught into that wave, that's not what it was. But anybody thinking this, oh, this is going to be just like Silent Night, Deadly Night, and, and it ain't. It yeah. ain't. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though: Silent Night, Deadly Night was four years later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so. They're coming to this on a video shelf, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, if you've got a, if you're at, especially in the '80s, if you're at a really interesting video store, they're gonna have segmented off, you know, these Christmas horror films into a group. And you're right, it's probably gonna be sitting right next to something like Silent yeah, Night. Deadly so you're Night. gonna go into this and mm-hmm. and picture that. I would call this a horror film, but it is definitely, you're right, it, it mm-hmm. was the film's bad luck to get caught up in the idea mm-hmm. of it being part of the slasher genre because. Mm-hmm. If you come to this, well, imagine you pick this up off the shelf, and what you really wanted was, you know, a variation on Silent Night, Deadly Night, and what you got was essentially uh, Santa Claus crossed by crossed with Roman Polanski's Repulsion. Because yeah. that's really kind of what yeah. this thing is. Oh yeah, and even at the time, if you were before Silent Night, Deadly Night, you, I guess, one of the closest ones around here would be My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, you look at this. You know, what is this? You know, yeah, it's. Oh, I guarantee you that. Yeah, you know, the distributors certainly wanted. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that. what they wanted, and, and, and it's, it's it's you know they didn't help their cause or help the audience expectations by you know watching some of those trailers and then say the night he dropped in. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh come on guys, now you're really damning the film before it even has a chance. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna tie it that closely into Halloween, you know, I, and well, not only that, it's a of the three titles that this film is is. is is noted to have gone by. I mean, okay, I think we could all agree that Christmas Evil is mm. a little heavy-handed because yeah. it's it's really a, it's it's kind of generic. It doesn't mm. give you any information about the film other than the time period in which it's set. Mm-hmm. And plus, with that, you're going to compare it to New Year's Evil, which is, of course, totally unfair. <laughs> yeah, I know, because, man, who <laughs> wants to... If people go in thinking it's related to that franchise, they're going to be so disappointed. I uh, know, they're going to want, they're going to go in expecting things like, you know, another accurate depiction of punk rock, you know, and you know. And, and, and say what you will, this film is devoid of Pinky Tuscadero. That's right, and that's, man... Yeah, that was one right. of the... I've deducted a star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one is singing about boiling their hair. <laughs> and See Holiday Horrors Part 1 for, for yeah. further further reference. To yeah, back up four years yeah. and listen yeah. to us babble about New Year's Evil. And realize that we have grown zero as human beings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that at this point in our lives, the chances of it ever happening are nil. Yes. <laughs> but I think that uh, You Better Watch Out is probably the best title and, yeah, you know, Big shock, that's the one the writer-director wanted mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think it is very good. But here's the weird thing for me, which is that 
that's the ti- that's the title that you're going to see on uh, whatever print of this film that you see, and it's the best title. But no one knows it by that title no. because it ha- it's almost as if it has to be re- because it got released mm-hmm. under the title Christmas Evil. I mean, that's if you're going to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray, that's the title it's under. And the closest this film came to any kind of success is the fact that it at least was every, every Christmas for years they would play it down on you know on Times Square and you know mm-hmm, and they yeah. would actually they would show it down there it became kind of a cult you know classic down there and so they always played it under the title of Christmas Evil so it's another reason why it makes sense that when Vinegar Syndrome would release this Blu-ray or, or you know they would they would of course use that title because that's what's going to tie it back that's into that time period that they're known for celebrating the old Grindhouse you know so and yeah. if they're using poster art from the time yeah, that's sure. what they've got it's all so. going to say that yeah so we know the film primarily under Possibly the worst title <laughs> that can be connected to it, which is a shame. But you know, a, a rose by any other name would still hack you with an axe. So. <laughs> well, at least, at least though, as far as I know, it's the only film called Christmas Evil. Unlike the yes. Silent Light, Deadly Nights variations, that I think there's so many films. Not only just the sequels of that film, but I think there's other films that came out that had similar. There was something like Bloody Bloody Night. Night you know, yeah, but that was, like, was from yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like seventy two, and that's a very different ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, like in the. John Waters commentary. He mm. they both refer to that to Silent Night Deadly Night as Bloody Night. Because do they? So do they similar. keep calling it that? They keep yeah. calling it Bloody Night. So again, there's they're the not confusion. the only people to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying is once again, at least this film is, as far as I know, the only film to go by that title. I think. Very true. Very true. And um, here's a question that I had: um, Black Christmas has been remade. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that nobody's tried to remake Silent Night, De- Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, wait, they did. They yeah, did. They did. That's right. So, okay, so Silent Night, Deadly Night has been remade as Silent Night. That's right. Yes. I wonder if anyone has ever approached Lewis Jackson, the writer-director, with the idea of attempting to do a remake. I don't know, but I think as far as I know, this is the last film he ever made. So yeah. I think I don't think he's liked any ideas anybody's approached <laughs> yeah. him with as far as I can tell. Because this, yeah. this, this experience, I think, finished him for filmmaking. And it's a shame, actually. Uh, it, it really is a shame. I mean, Yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff in there here. There is. There is. He, he, wor- he worked oh. pretty hard on this. And it, sh- and it really does show, even though, I mean, you know, as, as we'll talk about as we go along, each of us listen to one of the commentary tracks. There's three commentary tracks on the, uh, the Vinegar Syndrome disc. And uh, Jackson is on all three of them, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of overlap of information in these tracks. But one of the things that comes comes clear very quickly is that Jackson is very transparent about pointing out the flaws that he sees within this production, mm-hmm. the things that he feels he didn't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, accomplish as well as he should. Mm-hmm. I think it's very telling that um, in one of those tracks, he calls out specifically a a filmmaking thing, a film a filmmaking technique that is used to make sure that certain pertinent information has gotten across to the audience. And he points out in a couple of places where he failed. And that 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 technique is to introduce the information that you want the, the audience to um, absorb, reemphasize it, and then hit it a third time to make sure that the audience gets it. Not necessarily just because hearing it three times will do it, but because people sometimes get distracted because it's a film, they might be paying attention to something else on screen or something else that's happening while this information is being given out. So make sure that information gets there. And he points out that there's two or three instances in the film where he thought he communicated effectively certain plot points or certain small pieces of information that matter in the latter half of the movie. And he don't he doesn't think he says that unfortunately I think it takes more than one watching 
to mm-hmm. absorb that information because we didn't hit it hard enough. Mm-hmm. And so he's very good at calling out what he sees as flaws that he kind of built into the film himself. Yeah. Uh, through a lack of uh, realization, uh, you know, basically he just—I would call it inexperience. He calls himself out for a little bit harder than that, mm-hmm. but it's inexperience with exactly how how important it is to hit certain things mm-hmm. repetitively so that the information gets across. Yeah, and uh, there's a couple of other things that he does that with as well, and I think that's—he's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is right because there are certain things that only on a second viewing. Do you pick up? Mm-hmm. And one one might refer to them as you know subtleties of of uh, character or subtleties of development or uh, little, little you know character clues. There's some really yeah. neat character clues that you might pick up on your first trip through, but it's on that second trip through, or maybe even a third, that certain things are going to become evident about the character and how they tick, and not just the main character, but side characters. And I think that's very true of uh, the main character's brother, which. Mm-hmm. There's some things that, if you are really paying attention, or maybe just on the second or third viewing, you start to realize about what is going through that character's head and why he is so frazzled by the end of the film. An audience in the 80s is not, you know, who's mm. who's primarily, let's be honest, most people who've seen this film did not get to see it in the theaters. Right. The, the uh, rollout on this, I don't know exactly how disastrous this was for the distributors. <laughs> But I know it didn't go well, and I know that uh, according to, uh, once again, according to, uh, 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 I think it's information straight from the director, that they had a problem rolling the film out for distribution on the West Coast because a lot of uh, big city papers re- refused the uh, ad art mm-hmm. completely, just mm-hmm. would not mm-hmm. print the ad art yeah. for the film. <clears throat> and I still remember the days of those controversies about films like this. And yeah. I, some of the days, some of the controversies I heard might have even been about this film. I don't remember. They all blend together now. But I remember films coming out. That you know that people were you know people were like shocked or outraged about because they put an evil you know cast Christmas evil light and of course I was just like I want to see that movie you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just like done you know but but now it's funny how that's totally nobody worries about that at all now you know I mean it's like you well, can totally do things, you know different things push people's buttons these days sure. and it's, oh it's, it's, yeah well people yeah. are still just as as sensitive about but I think in terms of you could come out with the big movie, you know, like Krampus, you know, which was the release yeah. a couple of years ago, you know, that's about a, you know, I mean, that's nobody blinked an eye about that. It didn't bother people at all. If there's, you know, I mean, uh, satirical views on Christmas or, or that sort of thing, negative views on Christmas. But I think everybody at that time was still just like super sensitive about that kind of well, thing. About frightening oh, yeah. the kids. And exactly. Santa, yeah. Santa yeah. Claus killing somebody in the right, ads, right. even in the, yeah. in the print ads. Yeah. Well, don't don't, you know, don't forget. I mean, at that point in time, it was a you know the major brouhaha was built around the the horror genre because of the outrageous nature of the slasher genre. Yeah, and how, yeah. you know, and even people within you know pe- even people who were horror fans were part of that you know yeah. <laughs> meta- metaphorical torch wielding crowd mm-hmm. uh, chasing you know certain filmmakers away. I mean, we have you know public shaming of the the people who made Silent Night Deadly Night. On the Siskel and Ebert show, it you know mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where you realize, yeah. wow, this has turned into a mob. This has turned yeah. into that kind of thing, and so Christmas Eve is going to get lumped in that. But the person who goes and rents this sucker ain't going to get their jollies because, you know, mm-hmm. first of all, there ain't no nudity in this film. No. There's, I mean, there's not, there's not, you know, there's no simulated sexual activity. There's what little, there's no gore. There's some blood. Really, we should just stop the recording right now because <laughs> we just told everybody that there's. They might as well not pay anymore. You shouldn't even pay attention to this film. At all. Go home, find something. I don't know what. Watch somebody blow up a frog with a firecracker. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that might make you feel better. But 
this is a film that, that would, would, I think, disappoint a lot of people mm-hmm. who were looking for those kind of thrills, and I think that that may have undercut its... Um, well, especially because it was on VHS under the title Terror in Toyland. <laughs> How many people... Was, was it right next to Elves? I mean, <laughs> damn Dan Haggerty film from the early 90s? It would have been next to Terror of Megagodzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... that's that's a weird combo. Imagine that double feature. <laughs> Try that one on for some. Well, as far as the distribution, um, I was assigned the John Waters commentary track, so I do know that it played in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Because John Waters saw it in the, at the Grindhouse Theater that he always went to in Baltimore, so it did get at least that far. But I guess the West Coast did, didn't quite make it out there. Well, it did. It, from what I understand, it did finally. You know, it did get into theaters, but it kind of limped out into theaters yeah. because the distributor didn't. You know, you don't want to put a theater. You, know, you don't want to put movies, a movie in a theater if you can't advertise the damn thing because then you don't. You're not like stoking. You're not like stoking the possible audience for it to even know the damn thing exists. And this is in 1980. So I mean, you're talking seriously about a, a situation where, what are what are your options to learn about what the new movie is? Mm-hmm. The freaking newspaper, mm-hmm. you know. There's not, you know, there's not a, you know, you can't you can't whip out your cell phone and dial up Fandango and find out what the hell's going on at the theaters this week. So now, John, I, I think I'm right that John Waters that he says that's his favorite Christmas movie, right? He does. <laughs> so automatically now you talked about all the things the film doesn't have, you know, nudity, gore, all this stuff, but you know if it's John Waters' favorite movie, there's got to be something seriously <laughs> twisted in it. Uh, you yes. know, you got to know that see that in itself would have enticed me to see this movie. If I just heard John Waters say, This is my favorite Christmas movie, I even if I knew nothing about the movie, I'd say, I'm there. You know, I've This got is true. Great, this is know? true. And I think that, that uh I mean that bit that little quote on the uh, the the box uh, the the DVD box for uh, Synapse's you know mm-hmm. DVD release of it about you know I guess mm-hmm. ten years ago now mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that immediately told me well okay hold on I have to I really got to check this thing out well it's like it's like when Stephen King's quote on Evil Dead you know that was yeah. that was years before Stephen King's quote was on everything at that point when you heard yeah. Stephen King say this is the scariest movie I've seen in years it got your attention oh yeah it's like when John Waters says something holiday film is his favorite you're like okay this got to be some serious kind of twisted here whatever it yeah is, these yeah. these days Stephen King's recommended SpaghettiOs. Oh, exactly. He's just, yeah, he kind of sold his blurb to anyone (laughs) after a while, but there was a time when it had some weight to it. And well, John Waters' word always had weight for me. And that's actually the first place I heard about this movie, and it was 30 years before I got to see it. What do you mean? What do you mean? Where? Well, in in his book Crackpot, The Obsessions of John Waters. Okay, when was the book published? In 86. Okay. Actually, probably 85. I've got the uh, paperback here, but I'm assuming it came out in um, hardcover a year before. I've Got a hard cover a lot of years ago. Yes, later. of course you do. <laughs> Signed in the Signed uh, in. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Signed with some <laughs> John Waters spittle and yeah, yeah, yeah. Made me look like an asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, a, just an obsessive collector. I do have this a first edition hardcover signed by John Waters. Ah, yes. <laughs> of, course. of course he does. But um he, he in the book he describes it as his favorite Christmas film of all time. Right. And um he uh, says that he used to play it at Christmas parties every year. <laughs> And he's got a, a fairly yeah. decent synopsis of the film. It's not completely accurate. You could tell he didn't watch it just before he wrote the chapter. Right. But it's in the chapter, Why I Love Christmas, and it's got like a lot of his favorite Christmas memories. But the reading this description of the movie, which sold me, like, i got to see this. But <laughs> the last line of his little paragraph is, I wish I had kids. I'd make them watch it every year, and if they didn't like it, they'd be punished. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, good old John. Nobody here is interested in good toys. That includes me. Me too. I can understand that. 
you've never felt the thrill of making a good toy. Now, how could you in this place? But I bet you got kids, right? Two. Five. Don't you understand how useful, rigidly constructed toys are? How inspirational? Their value goes way beyond making money. Any word who's getting laid off in January, Harry? Laid off? I didn't even know they were considering it. Oh, right. You don't go to union meetings anymore. <laughs> you guys listen to me. I gotta find someone to take my ship tonight. G and me are going away for the weekend. You got the urge to leave early. Good luck. Come on. Don't any of you guys have a sense of brotherhood? You know, all for one, one for all. Yeah. All right. Well, let's actually talk about the. Let's talk about the film, and we'll try to go through the uh, the synopsis of this. Um, and remember, guys, stop me at any point if there's some detail that I'm overlooking or something that you think we need to uh, pay specific attention to. Let's not make the mistake that Lewis Jackson, the writer director, did. If we need to tell people something three times, three let's th- say it three, three times, times. Mm-hmm. Right. and say it clearly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. None of this fumbling around for. Is it, by, by the way, people, if you've been listening to the Bloody Pit and the, the Nashi cast, say, the past four months, uh, not quite four months, but if you've noticed that occasionally Rod slurs uh, what he's trying to say at certain times, it's not that I'm drinking. Rage, I was going to say, it's because he's become a raging alcoholic. <laughs> All that good bourbon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I just, I've been boozing it up. Uh, that, that's not the reason. I would just like to point out that uh, as the person who edits this, I do realize that I should probably point out that Currently, I'm like missing a tooth, and occasionally, it just a lot of extra saliva comes yeah. out and mm-hmm. joins the tongue, and it makes me sound as if I'm, you know, about to say thuffernathuckatash or something. Yeah. I don't get it. And, I, and I'm really sorry. I just got mad, man. You kept, kept, <laughs> you kept going on about fucking mummies, and you just wouldn't shut up about it, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I forgot what a hell of a left cross I have. But and we all, we all know that when Rush Limbaugh sounded like this. <laughs> He, he, it was because he had a massive pill addiction. So, not <laughs> well, saying we're not dead. We're not, I'm not saying that that's happened that. to Rod. Nothing but look, have you not yeah. seen him with the massive pill addiction? Holy shit! Perhaps the intervention you know, is necessary. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not going to punch you for, rec- for, for 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 drawing a parallel between me and Rush Limbaugh. Oh, I'm not the first. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're a dead man. You're a dead man. Get out of get out of my show. Get out of my show, you piece of garbage. Oh my lord! All right, back on track. God save me, people. I, I guarantee you're going to hear that because I will refuse to cut that out. <sighs> plot synopsis: Christmas Evil, 1980. I swear we're going to hit this plot synopsis, and we're going to do it now. I mean, I want to talk about the credits some more. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right, uh, Harry Stanling. Uh, is an introverted middle-aged man whose hobby is all things Christmas. Now, he's played by uh, Brandon Maggart, who, uh, when you see a lot of the different films that he's had small roles in, you'll realize, oh, I've probably seen this guy. But this is really the the film in which he took center stage. The film is from his point of view. It has a very strange aspect to it in that you look at this guy and you realize, wow, only in a modern independent film... Maybe, or in the seventies and seventies mm-hmm. and early eighties, could a man this facially lumpy mm-hmm. be the lead actor in a mm-hmm. film? That's absolutely right. This is not. I mean, the guy's a he's, he's a very good actor, and he was known for his stage work. Uh, Lewis Jackson makes the comment at one point that he actually wanted to hire him. You know, he he he, mm-hmm. he felt confident in hiring him. 
because he was he was known as a, a song and dance man on stage, mm-hmm. and there were there was a, a couple of scenes in the movie where he needed that was uh, going to come into place, but you know specifically a party scene in the, about the midway through about midway through the film that was kind of uh, he wanted uh, someone who could pull that scene off because he wanted the scene to have a specific feel, but. I found oh I found it interesting that he was uh, not the first choice for the role. Originally, they tried to get uh, George Dezunga. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which who's is a great I, character actor. Yeah, and, and could have probably done a good job. Yeah, I think yeah. that uh, Maggard does a better oh yeah job. And it's one of the things I love about films from this period. You just hit on everybody in it, even the people who've gone on to have really big film careers. They all look like just regular people. Yeah, well, and oh, like, De- like Jeffrey Demon. Yeah, the, uh, he just looks like a regular guy. Brother. Yeah, he's just a regular guy. Or Patricia Richardson, who you know has a small part as a mother, who went on to be the female co-star in Home Improvement. She yeah. looks like just a regular, regular mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have like a bunch of uh, like pretty teens mm-hmm. who yeah. they put glasses on to make them look like <laughs> ugly ducklings. <laughs> Ah, yes, we know we know your wily ways. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we're, we're going to be throughout the show. We're going to be doing some amazing name dropping because there's just so many bizarre connections to famous people oh, yeah. in this film. Yeah, just so crazy. Uh, and one of the late, one of the very last things I found out after all that this, all the notes I'd made, and thought that I was already the the weird connections and everything couldn't get any more bizarre is that Brandon Maggard is Fiona Apple's Fiona father Apple's and I'm just like <laughs> I, that's one of the last name bits of information I was like what you know exactly. yeah. Yeah. he's Fiona and, and also I think um, I read somewhere that he I believe was in the original cast of Sesame Street I think yes. like, and that's, yes. that's just crazy to me you know yeah. but, but now it does make sense that a film made right in the heart of New York is going to have a lot of peripheral you know uh, you know as far as people who were at that time there's going to be so many actors in that area who are going to eventually become famous that they're and they're all answering audition calls constantly. Yep. So it's maybe not maybe it's not that unusual that 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 every film made in that area might have a couple of future famous names. But this one just had a, a ton of oh, of, yeah, of, no. of weird connections to famous people and people famous people who auditioned to be in this film. And in fact, let's do that. Let's hit that. Can now. we? Why not? I and mean, we're going to have to go, at some go, point. Go so. Yeah. So okay, we, this we, won't we, interrupt the flow of the storyline. No, too. but it's which, just we, a, we've already mentioned George. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll go ahead. George, and you, yeah, Dzunga, uh, or whatever that's pronounced. But. Uh, uh, or actually, I think the D is silent. It's Zunza, I believe, is how it's is said. It? But okay. I believe. I, I, but, yeah, I, God knows I will mangle a name. So. But um, so you saw the actress Diane Hull, who got the role of uh, of um, Harry's brother's wife, right? Um, who she's apparently one of one of the very respected acting teachers now. Um, but she had some roles, you know. I think what some soap was she on? Some, some I think some soaps, some so TV she, movie work. She's and, a moderately recognizable <laughs> face, but her role was some of the just some of the names that. You know, audition for that role: Glenn Close, Kathleen Turner, Joe Beth Williams, um, Lindsey Krauss. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's Jesus. just insane. And I know uh, you said that the, the director. Uh, yeah, in one of the outtake or yeah. the interviews is from the old Trauma DVD, and the Trauma re- interviewers. And so, do you, re- do you have any regrets about not hiring Glenn Close or Kathleen Turner? And the guys, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he didn't mean that as a put down to Don Hull. It's just, it's just, it's yeah, just like they, this they film became would, huge stars. I mean, yeah. how many films got future video releases because they could take somebody's exactly. name and put it who was then famous? Right. So he missed out on all these actresses who ended up having these <laughs> Academy Award winning, you know, careers. Yeah. <laughs> and, but uh, how bizarre is that, though? You know that that all those actresses, you know, tried out. And there are there is some audition footage on this amazing Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray yes. of some of those those actresses mm-hmm. trying trying out for this role. Um, but uh, also the. Uh, there's a, in the um, party scene, Christmas party scene, uh, the person that choreographed the dance 
was the brother of Meryl Streep. Yeah, which is just such a weird connection. And like, then let's save the, the other Christmas party scene, the the person, our big surprise, and let's save that until we get to that. That's true, because that's one that you and I really freaked out over, so yeah. we'll get back to that. Oh, later, is this so. somebody that we've been watching on television for the past few years on a couple of te- television shows? Oh, well, no, but it's probably somebody else you're thinking of. I know oh, who yeah, you yeah, were yeah. thinking of, but who are you mm-hmm. thinking of, or do you want to say well, I'm, th- I'm thinking of the uh, actor and his, oh, God, his name is completely Oh, me. oh. The guy who's on God, Better Call Saul. Yes, uh, Mark, Mar- 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 Magolis, I think. Mark Magolis. Mar- Mar- yes, yeah. actually, mm-hmm. you're right. He's, he's yeah, he's, uh, right, Better Call Saul and, and yeah. Breaking Bad. And um, and then one of the policemen, you know, the uh, um, the actor's name was Raymond J. Berry, uh, but he's one of the detectives, and he's another guy that just made tons of character actor things. I mean, as soon yeah. as I saw his face, I was like, oh, my God, I've seen that guy in a million things. So, yeah, it's just crazy how many how many people are in this. So, well, And then behind the scenes, the big one was uh, Sally Minky was the sound editor. It went on to be Tarantino's editor. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. Which is just amazing that just a few years after this yeah you know, she's had already gone into that and the sound editing this is just fine but just so many really talented people were involved with this mm-hmm. it's more than just one or two that sneaked oh, yeah. in the back it's a lot of good people in this movie well his ace in the hole the director uh, that he really was the fact that he you know if, if you listen to his, i'm sure he was the same way with the commentaries you guys he's he's very obviously a huge fan of european cinema and art house cinema mm-hmm. oh and yeah i don't I think he, I don't think he was trying to. We can talk and see. You guys may disagree, but I mean, my impression I got was he was not out to make an art house film. He wanted. He intended to deliver. I think a something the distributors could exploit or, or a yeah, commercial he felt film. He, was, he felt he was making a horror, but film. he wanted to make yeah. a good movie. I mean, yeah. and he brought all these sensibilities of, of these films, and there's a lot of visual homages to films that he loved and directly loved. But the fact that he was able to get a cinematographer from Europe yeah. who had made tons of films. And man, it shows in this film because this film, because it's beautiful. for the budget it's on. I think it was made for three quarters of a million dollars. I think, yeah. And it's gorgeous. And of mm-hmm. course, it's I can't recommend this Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Enough, oh, it's it a, looks beautiful. But the colors and everything just pops off the screen, and it's and it's just beautifully framed in most cases. I mean, it's it's and it adds to the technical level. Him being able to get that cinematographer, I think, just added to the technical level of this film so much. So there's, there's, and some of the scenes are so amazingly framed. There's one that just gets me every time I saw it. Um, I think it, make, it would have made a great kind of movie poster or video cover art or whatever. But when the boy went the first, you know, and I know this is kind of where I guess your synopsis is going to start. But when Harry sees a traumatic event as a kid, you know, right. when he witnesses his mother and what's obviously his father dressed as Santa Claus, but who he thinks is Santa Claus, you know, or especially Santa Claus. And they're having a little, you know, erotic you know, uh, fondling under the, the tree yes. there. He runs upstairs to the attic and there's that snow globe up oh, yeah. there. That scene where he opens the door of the attic and turns on the light and, and the you snow got globe, him. The snow globe oh, is God, foregrounded a, on the right of the screen. That is just a beautiful, beautiful and scene. And they actually built a giant snow globe for that shot. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. That's get great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize about that. the dedication to the look oh, that they were talking about. That's great to say. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was going to say, there's all kinds of things this guy did in making this film that kind of blow your mind is what, mm-hmm. what the links he would go to and also just kind of hammer home what an independent filmmaker has to go through and, and ways of just kind of doing guerrilla filmmaking and kind of doing what it takes to get the shot he wants. I had no idea that that globe was mm-hmm. actually, was actually a, that they actually built a giant globe. Well, they, yeah, they, they that sounds the, like something Mario Baba would do yeah, or something. Yeah, they, they had, had the, the two. They had, they had the, the regular size yeah, one that the kid you know, holds and then mm-hmm. drops and breaks. Yeah. And then the, this really big one that was like three feet across or something mm-hmm. like that. Wow, that's great. <clears throat> so that they could shoot that, so they get that shot mm-hmm. and not, you know, not have to pull some trick mm. where they're doing like some kind of weird split screen. They could do it all in one shot. Oh, awesome. So it had to be that size. And it, yeah, you're right. That's the that's the shot in the movie. I mean, it's been pretty up to mm. that point. Yeah. But you're only a few minutes into the movie. Yeah. And that's the shot where you should, as someone who who enjoys cinema, mm. that's the moment you should snap to and take note because yeah. 
that's gorgeous. And yeah. with just the slightest bit of information about what it takes to make this kind of shot happen, that was difficult. Someone worked their ass off to make that yeah. shot work. Absolutely. And to make the point that it's making, mm-hmm. which is there's a you know there's a reason that shot is built that way. That boy coming in that door in the, in the attic. It's I mean it's even metaphorical. I mean it's yeah. very oh, yeah. very, very yeah, much yeah, a symbol of mm-hmm. from this point forward, mm-hmm. this kid's broken. Yeah. Just like the snow globe. There's a mm-hmm. reason the snow globe is so prominent in the shot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, his aesthetic, you're right. I think, I mean, of course, he was he, he was he was making a horror film. But his aesthetic is very much influenced, you're right, by European art house cinema. Or at least mm-hmm. European sensibilities in how to craft mm-hmm. imagery. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying really hard at all times because he had 10 years to think about this mm-hmm. yeah. before he was able to film it. He's thinking about having images back up what the story is and partially tell the story to get across emotional shades and nuance. Yeah, of course your actors can do that at a certain point, but, but you don't, you know, you're you're working with kids. So, you know, you're not necessarily going to get something specific out of a kid. Plus you're trying to make a bare point because let's just say this right now, the beginning and end of the film, once the, you know, the whole sequence where the, 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 the two brothers and their mother are, mm-hmm. are, you know, crouching on the stairs and they see Santa come down and immediately you realize, oh, okay, okay, so this is, this is the dad. Yeah. And the kids are just, you know, in mm-hmm. awe. And it's clear the parents are staging this. But it's the way it's shot, it's got that slightly diffused look. Mm-hmm. So this is, the, the, the look of that sequence is the uh, is the cinematographer and the director attempting to show you or tell mm-hmm. you visually this is a memory. Yeah, exactly. And and in fact, there's parts of it that are not real. Oh yeah, yes. it's like this yeah. this the the memories are being disordered. Like for instance, where the the dad's feet go up the chimney and disappears. <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. And they're gone. You know, the kids are in bed instantly and. And that's, you, that's and you our know first physically instance where that didn't happen. It couldn't have happened. And that's probably our first instance where the director could have maybe hammered that home a little harder for people who are sitting in the grindhouse theaters. Maybe. Well, for the well, the fact that he, I know he, the director said that he wanted people to, he wanted to get across the idea that so much of what happens may only be in Harry's head. Right. And so that's probably what one of the first things he's trying to show that to you, but it, but it may not really catch. In the way that he wanted it yeah. to, as far as like realizing, because it's certainly when you get to the last third of the film and the last few scenes and things, we're getting way into the territory where a lot of it could really be, oh, yeah. could, could be explained yeah. as happening in his head. And I think he's trying to show that from the very first. But you're right. You, if you notice it at all, you know, you're, you've forgotten you're t- because there's such a gap yes, exactly. between yeah, yeah. The sort of the surreal, surreal moments. Yeah. But like I say, I mean, there's no way, there's no other way to read that opening scene and the, the, the closing scenes of the movie other than. We're inside his head. This is how he's well, seeing what happened. Well, you you would think there's no other way to read it, but apparently wow. for the audiences who threw things at the screen when it was over, apparently yes. they didn't read it yeah. that way. Yeah, and yeah. that's hard to fathom. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll talk about the ending later. We should go ahead and, hey, the oh, yeah. synopsis. Yeah. We have a synopsis. Well, that's right. We do have a synopsis. synopsis. So let's, we'll, we'll <clears throat> I'll, I'll get to line two of the synopsis now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, It's like waiting for Christmas Day. Bear with us, children. Yeah. <laughs> I swear it'll happen. Terrible. <laughs> I get it. Hello? Harry. Aren't you on your way over here? I'm not going to make it over for dinner, Phil. You're not going to make it? What are you talking about? I see some excitement down the street. I got other plans. Since when? Jackie and the kids are looking forward to seeing you. It looks like it is. The grand old boy himself. Tell him I'm sorry. 
the most important star in the whole Thanksgiving parade. Harry, how is something wrong? Wrong? What everyone has been waiting for is no, finally no, here. Sort of tied the most up. generous man in the world is making his first I appearance don't talk this season. We hope all the boys and girls out there have been good this year, don't we, Bill? We sure do, Betty. And what better way to get their award than from this man? Here he is. Harry. I can't hear you. Hold on a second. Will you turn that down? It's not loud, Daddy. Harry. Harry, I'm back. Wish Jackie and the kids a happy Thanksgiving for Is Harry sick? Perfectly in sync with his obsessive regard for the season... Harry has worked in a toy factory for most of his adult life. Harry's years of experience in the toy factory have finally landed him a management job in the company, and he seems to have thought that his new position would allow him to make better toys for kids because it seems very important to him that these that the toys that they manufacture be sturdy and be something that will last a long time. And as, as we see these toys mm. coming off the line, you realize that and this was a big bugaboo in the seventies. It's like, oh, these these are these things are made out of plastic. They're not made of something more sturdy. Mm. And you know, there's a reason they started making. There's more than one reason, people, mm. why they started making toys out of plastic, mm. because they used to make them out of metal, <laughs> and people lost eyes. Okay, <laughs> so not all of the reasons that plastic became the go-to substance have anything to do with necessarily with uh, <laughs> monetary. <laughs> Uh, say cost benefit analysis mm. as far as just buying the raw materials to produce these items. Mm. Uh, I can remember clearly some toys that should never have been put into my hands. <laughs> I mean, like ever. And I'm being given to I'm being given these things on very important high holidays, yeah. and being told to go play with them, <laughs> and then like cutting myself. So <laughs> remember, for a very long time, they put an actual working oven in the hands of small girls. Oh yeah. And those things never cooked very well. <laughs> no, no, but you could burn your room down. Yeah. <laughs> you could effectively catch curtains on fire. So keep that in mind. And I don't know what my parents were thinking when they got my sister at Easy Bake Oven and they got me an Anne Frank doll. <laughs> <laughs> they were afraid yes. you were, they were afraid that you were gay. <laughs> you were in Kentucky. Well, and they're not exactly forward. I didn't tell people. my friends I had it. I just put it in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a long walk for that job. Uh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> very, very good, sir. Very good. I, and it also got me to interrupt you for just a second sure. because a couple things I wanted to say about the job at the Toy Factory. It's Jolly Dream Toys. Yes. And the slogan, this is one of those bits where you think about it a second time. It's like, oh, the slogan is, if it's not a Jolly Dream, it's not worth having. Mm, right, uh, so it yeah, goes back like to that, our guy. Yeah. This being a dream sequence, and yeah, yeah, and we also, of course, we see that when he's at home, he's obsessed with Santa Claus. He's got Santas all over the place. Well, let's let's it, talk about the fact that he sleeps in a Santa Claus tinged outfit, mm-hmm. complete with a Santa mm-hmm. Claus hat. Mm-hmm. And I don't, even though it doesn't explicitly state in the movie, I think we're led to infer that he doesn't just do that during December, that he does no. it all year long. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. was like in, before this Thanksgiving. In this, this is, is before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's right, yeah. they're because they're talking about their Thanksgiving the, gathering. So we yeah, can assume that, that he's, he's, we can assume he's in this all year long. Yeah. And, and during that sequence <laughs> on the commentary, John Waters said he's clearly in the claws closet. <laughs> <laughs> good, good one, John. Nice yeah. one, John. 
<laughs> oh, I, li- I like that. He also, in, and this was, I guess, from about 10 years ago or so, he, he, they talked briefly about Santa Claus themed pornography. Mm-hmm. And John Waters said, I know there's a gay one with Jeff Stryker called Santa's Coming. But I, of <laughs> course, did my due diligence. I'm sure, of you course, did. I'm sure you did. I went to one porn site and typed in Santa porn. Yeah. And over 2,000 Santa Claus scenes popped up. <laughs> I looked no further. <laughs> okay, first of all, no screenshots of all that. Do you believe that? I, I absolutely believe that. You believe that? <laughs> that for a second. You are a gullible motherfucker. Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> he looked, I know him. <laughs> okay, as, so the film starts in November, about, the, about a week before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And as Christmas season is approaching, he, uh, our buddy Harry here, he finds the uh, the kind of hostile anti-holiday attitude of his coworkers, and the disappointment of no longer working directly with the toys getting to him. But what starts off looking like a bout of holiday depression or maybe seasonal seasonal affective disorder mm-hmm. begins to turn nasty. Clearly, sad and disappointed by the adults around him, he begins to focus on the joys that Christmas brings to kids. But I'll have to say. That his uh, year-round observance of this kind of uh, how to bring joy, joy to kids is a little uh, concerning. Just, uh, just a little. Just a, yeah. <laughs> For years, Harry has kept detailed written accounts of the actions of the children that live in his neighborhood and has bound books listing both the good and the bad kids which line his shelves. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one dated... You know, for the year, yeah, yeah. and each one, seriously, the good book and the bad book. This, this is concerning, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because what we see is Harry, we see him on the roof of the building he lives in mm-hmm. with binoculars watching the kids in the neighborhood, you know, playing after school or, or you know, watching them through their windows. Yeah, through which, their by windows the way, is the weirdest. Is creepy as fuck. And then we see him going to these books and jotting down, you know, the positive and negative things that these various kids in the neighborhood are doing. And by the way, when he's, you know, he's going through window by window and looking at them, what they're doing and calling up their names. And he gets the last of the kid with the penthouse magazine. I thought he was going to say, John Hudson. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet John Hudson can tell us something about that issue because it's got Debbie Harry on the front. That was the February 1980, (laughs) February 1980 issue of Penthouse with Mm. a not nude pictorial. I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Debbie um, Harry. Okay. And it's actually, I I don't have the issue. So I wasn't able to go, go into the archives and look it up, but, (laughs) but there are like, it's actually, looks like a pretty nice pictorial. They're like, there's some outtakes from it, mm. from the shots. It's like an interview and right. pictures and stuff. And not every picture in there had had nudity. So, well, you know, Debbie Harry, I'm, you know, yeah, there there were nude pictures around there. If you, if anybody yeah. self-respecting porn hound who bought an issue of Celebrity Sleuth, the rock star edition, could see those. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> there you go, people, back up, mm. listen yeah. to him say that again, oh, right? Celebrity, <laughs> celebrity Sleuth. Ah, uh, now that was a that was an awesome that was magazine. a magazine. Those were the days. <laughs> but but yeah, there, and I, I tried to find out if there was anything else really noteworthy in that issue of Penthouse, and I, as far as I could tell, there wasn't except for the Debbie Harry. But because it, it was a very kind of a New York statement thing to have yeah. him reading a Penthouse with Debbie Harry on yeah. the front was you know, yeah, but, that's very and that New would York, have been yeah. around the time they shot the movie too. So yeah. they may have just bought that issue. They could the have. I just drive it right there. But uh, I know the the director said that he got in trouble because that kid kept the magazine and his mom <laughs> found it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> 
Well, I know that I know, I know all of us are the true hero of this movie that we all came away respecting is Moss Garcia. Moss Garcia, just, that's Moss right. Moss Garcia became our. I know. It's uh, I love the the comments he writes on all the kids are hilarious, but the ones on him, especially Leo, picks his nose, has impure thoughts, you know, kicked over kicked, trash cans. Kicked, yeah, poor hygiene. <laughs> poor hygiene. <laughs> poor hygiene. Was it? I mean, yeah. Oh man! <laughs> Seems like a good guy. Oh, I love it when he's like, "I want to hear your subscription to Pinna." Look at his face. He's just like, yeah. "Going back in the list." <laughs> now, see, all along this though, if you're a horror movie fan and you're expecting the next Halloween, you're just waiting for this guy to, you know, go off and so, you know, even for that first scene. Yes. If this had been, you know, a slasher film like the distributors wanted, you know, when he's as a kid and he's watching this happen with his parents. You know, he would have gone and got like an axe and chopped him up or something. Yeah. How that that would have been your beginning. You know, to right. have been, You know, so it doesn't happen here with the kids. You know, that look on his face. You just like you know, Moss is 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 dead. You know, something. But you know, there's never you know, ultimate true slow burn that you know you can see audiences probably got pretty restless. You mm-hmm. know, about there. Well, in fact, like, Water says it a couple times in his commentary tracks that this thing has an art film pace. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't mean that as a as a uh, insult, but no. it definitely no. does. It's not. Balls to the wall horror yeah. from beginning yeah. to end. Okay, so uh, as Harry starts spending more time going through these bound books of good and bad kid detailing, uh, adding white and black marks, he becomes uh, more unstable. In his home workshop over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday weekend, he begins to fashion uh, a Santa costume for himself. A pretty elaborate one, and one that mm-hmm. turns out to be pretty impressive. And this is something that I think mm-hmm. is interesting for... Uh, this is a sequence that I think is both fascinating because it, it, it shows the beginnings of him starting to take those first steps. If he's, <coughs> if he's a closeted clause, then mm-hmm. this is when he you know finally goes to the store and starts figuring out what he's going to... Mm-hmm. He's getting his drag <clears throat> costume together, I guess is a good way to put it. And uh, he, he uh, he's got material in this... This is this is a weird thing for a modern audience because he has an actual sewing machine and yeah. I can remember in the seventies <clears throat> most people back then probably had access to a sewing machine oh, yeah. one well, way my, or another that was pretty machine. common yeah. Yeah. but you know that's it's been a long time since that was a common thing oh, I mean yeah. the the uh, the crass culture of mm-hmm. America has made sure that no <laughs> one no one sews shit yeah. you just throw it out and buy a new one. God damn! I need to stab people in the face. <laughs> oh wait, no. I'm, 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 that's that's. I'm sorry. That's the 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 spirit of anti Christmas creeping into me. Mm-hmm. And Why don't you I just buy, some, buy you some Starbucks and keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll go buy keep that war on Christmas. Yeah, keep it going. One, I thought it was actually a nice touch though, because going back to Lewis Jackson again, all the Santas that we see decorating Harry's house, he had collected. Jackson had collected for the 10 years he yeah. took him to make the movie, and he really knows his Santa Claus mythology yeah. really, really well. And I yeah. like how when he's making the Santa suit, it's not white fur, it's like gray. No, like it's, it's, it's animal, fur. It's animal yeah. fur, yeah. yeah. Really cool touch. Well, I know he said, he said, he said, I was not making an anti Christmas movie. He said, mm-hmm. no. there are elements about Christmas that bothered me in society. He said, but I love Christmas, which that was what drove him to tell this story, you know, mm-hmm. was, to, was to kind of take those goods and bad sides of Christmas and kind of, you know, enhance those, you know, elevate them to a story level of, you know, to, 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 you know, bring those out more, you know, the kind that was make the conflicts within this character. Well, I mean, this is a good time possibly to point out that I think that, uh, the central theme of the 1965 Charlie Brown Christmas special Mm -hmm. 
are yeah. embedded in this this the heart it's the heart Good of this point. film. Good boy, Jed. Because it's almost I, saying yeah. the same thing. The although it's very easy to point directly to the fact that the the instigating problem, the thing mm. that put the cracks in Harry's mind, are from his childhood. Mm. The thing that breaks it really is a variation on that whole idea of Christmas has become over-commercialized. No one mm. cares anymore. Yeah. Everyone is a, a crass asshole that is just out for themselves and doesn't give a shit about anybody else in the world. And he sees the, the holiday being perverted mm. by these horrible, horrible adults. And, you know, some of the kids are good and some of the kids are bad. Mm. And that's the point at which you see the crossover between Charlie Brown and Harry in this film. Mm-hmm. They have the same attitude the same depressive fear about what has become of christmas of the, of the christmas of hol- of that holiday and um this film of course does not couch it in religious terms at all although it acknowledges the religious foundations of the holiday as a part of it as an integral part of it and that we have a murder on church steps for god's sake well and the only scene inside but, the church is characters who we've shown already to be very crass and and shallow mm-hmm. people right. going to celebrate you know, you know, Christmas in a church, even right. though we know them to be hypocritical characters in there. Right. Yeah. And, pe- and people who we've specific- specifically seen take joy in the fact that they um, that they took advantage of a friend or a, yeah. or a co-worker, or yeah. whatever, however you want to put it. And so, yeah, the the um, implication being, yes, we will acknowledge the, the religious roots of the holiday, but only to point out that that's what makes it even worse from that perspective, which is that all these things that are supposed to be built into this holiday are subverted and not even thought of, not just subverted to the point where someone is conscious of the fact that it's happening, but it's completely unconscious. It's just what's done yeah, because it's just another day to these people. So we have this long, his descent <coughs> begins over the four day Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. He calls up his brother and tells him, you know, that he's not coming over for Thanksgiving uh, dinner because He's sitting there watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and he, that's when he's gotten the idea. And so he spends the next three days building, you know, building his Santa suit, putting it together, you know, fashioning a way to hold a, a pillow to his belly to give him, you know, to give him the, the correct look, and the whole nine yards. We see him making the lead soldiers, yeah, in his yes. toy shop, mm-hmm. um, painting the sled on the van. Mm-hmm. Right. John Waters actually says that they should show this sequence in Santa School. <laughs> and um did, did you like the bit where the little monkey on the string started to dance in the workshop yes well, it, where he accidentally struck it with his hand yeah. as he pulled back mm-hmm. yeah and i it, it 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 gets me every time because i think to myself oh that's just a happy accident mm-hmm. but then they they cut into that they cut into that and get get a little bit of a close up on it to emphasize it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, they they intended that to happen. There's a reason, and of course, one of the reasons is you know it's just a it's puppet on a string. It's, mm-hmm. it's exactly it's, it looks kind of maniacal. Now, did you see the one in the background behind that? I don't trust you. <laughs> the invisible chip. I knew it was going there. I knew where it was going. See, I, I even I even like wrote down. Asshole will try invisible chimp shit. <laughs> I wrote it down. I'm not going to let myself forget ever again. I don't care how much joy it brings to the audience. You're not catching me unaware again. Oh, yeah. You say that now, Charlie yeah. Brown, but I'm going to get that football out from under you. 
God. I will never survive having watched that damn movie with you. <laughs> you're doing i i have a delivery i mean i have toys for the children inside at this hour what are you wacko do i look like i'm joking get me whoever's in charge i don't have a lot of time get out of here i told you i'm in a hurry how can you be so lazy and selfish <laughs> are you blind who do you think you're talking to i'm sorry my, my approach is uh, it, it doesn't matter. Look, I'm really in a hurry, and I only have good intentions. Here, Merry Christmas. Have a good holiday. <laughs> well, you wait here. Don't come inside, you understand? Uh, don't worry, I, I, I won't. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Where did you come from? I mean, who sent you? <laughs> That's a very long story. I assume all the little children have been good this year. Of course. Well, you'd better get some more help. <laughs> you'd better get some of the staff. I'll wait here. Can I ask who donated all this? Some people who didn't realize how generous they could be. Well, back at work, Harry learns from a, a snide new PR man that the toy company's kind of half-hearted stab at charity by donating toys to the local children's hospital is uh, really not something that they honestly give a shit about. Mm -hmm. uh, this really pisses Harry off. He starts asking specific questions about, well, how many toys are going to be are we going to be giving? Is there, is there are there going to be enough for all the kids in this place? And it becomes very obvious very quickly that, you know, that's not really a concern. They're just looking mm. for this to be a good PR thing for the company. Dressing as Santa, he sneaks into the factory that night, uh, and he steals a van load of toys. And mm. on Christmas Eve, this is, we've, we've now skipped a few weeks ahead. Mm. Uh, he, he drives on Christmas Eve, dressed as Santa Claus, to, drives to this children's hospital and delivers these, these presents to the very surprised and happy hospital staff. Uh, elated by this near-perfect moment of holiday joy, he tracks the company PR man to a church where he's attending a Christmas Eve service. After waiting outside, a silent Santa Harry is taunted by some of the churchgoers as they come out after the service, and he ends up stabbing two of them to death with a toy soldier and injuring a third. 
And they had it coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it becomes really, really mean-spirited really quick from these oh, people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it really does, yeah. Driving away, he next goes to the house of a co-worker who has insulted and belittled him repeatedly. And this is actually the fellow who uh, is just obviously a prick. He lied mm-hmm. to Harry mm-hmm. and, con- and convinced Larry to like to work his shift in the toy factory mm-hmm. on, the, on the line. Mm-hmm. Because he uh, and his wife and kids were going away early for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. the month before. And then Harry, after getting out of the shift that night, walks by a bar and sees that this guy was mm-hmm. was in there and is actually laughing and joking about the fact that he fooled this mm-hmm. dumbass Harry into working for him that night. Mm-hmm. Harry holds a grudge well. Mm-hmm. Let's it, it, lets it yeah. fester for a few weeks. Yeah. And then, <laughs> on Christmas Eve... Uh, goes to the goes to their house go, goes to the fellow's house. He there's a failed attempt for Harry to go down the chimney. <laughs> yeah, that does not work out. <laughs> and it's actually a pretty it's pretty amazing. It's scene. a pretty amazing scene because it's fairly <clears throat> suspenseful because <clears throat> he's really caught. Yeah, he realizes yeah. that that's a, that's a beautiful moment, and that's why I think. And what a great this is a good point to discuss. Yes, it is. How much of this film is just in his head, and how much is reality? Because if it were all in his head. He went right down. The oh, he went yeah. on right yeah. down the chimney. Yeah. No, right? I think regardless I think of reality yeah. of how he got in the house, yeah. mm-hmm. in his mind, he would remember it or think of it as him yeah. going down the chimney. Yeah, I think the basic main things that he goes through, he really does. It's just sometimes ways that it's filmed that it shows the film. You know, tend to show it through what may be his 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 vision of seeing it. This is definitely something where reality hits him kind of smack cold in the face. Right, yeah. And, and, and it's also a great, I'm sorry, oh, John, oh, but it's ahead. also just a great kind of breaking, like a great visual breaking down of why the, of the whole, that moment when everybody's Santa Claus myth is kind of busted for them there, you know, is that whole basic physically impossibility of a man going down a chimney, you know, right. and he's just, uh, you know, it basically shows that in stark relief. And I think that he's, I think that's exactly what happens to him. And he, and he's really, and greatly unsettled by it, not only the fact he's physically stuck, but I think it's just he's suddenly, after he's just had this kind of euphoric moment earlier with the hospital where, hey, with I could be, yeah, yeah. be Santa Claus, and then suddenly, no, you can't. But um, go ahead, John. Oh, no, I'm sorry, saying. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was sorry. just sort of thinking out loud the moment, the next moment where it's in his mind is coming up. Oh, but, yes. But um, at this point, yeah, I think it's all still realistic. And that's, again, one of those things where it's not quite nailed as well as it could have of what's real and what isn't. But I think at well, this that, point, that's just it's it. all think, still real. Mm-hmm. See, I don't see that I don't see that aspect of the film as being something that I would consider a flaw because I think that the, the questioning of what's in his head and what isn't is part of, for me anyway, the joy of watching this movie. Oh, yeah, no, no, but we're, I think, I think it's, it's, it's at times, we have to, are we talking about how we, how much it means that's enjoyed or how much in terms of it trying to be a a, a successful film to oh, our average oh, audience, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah I yeah. think with all, I think we all enjoy. We're kind of the film type <laughs> filmmakers. We like it when a film plays with our expectations. You know, yeah. one of the things the director said is one of the things that definitely worked against him. A lot of people complained about was the extreme changes of mood, and we've just gone over some of those scenes that do yeah, that. Yeah, I found that really cool. I like it when yeah. the film's totally unpredictable to me. I didn't know where this film was going from time to time, but that's not necessarily how your average Joe shopping mall wants to watch. A movie, you know, wants to see a movie, doesn't necessarily want to have to play that mental hopscotch every, you know. Yeah, ton- tonal, tonal shifts are a difficult thing to pull off effectively. Yes. but And sometimes a really jagged tonal shift is something that, you mm. know, 
I really, really enjoy in a film, but you're right. It, it's not to, it's never going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not going to be, be something that's going to get most people on board with you, especially, you know, just, you know, Joe six pack looking mm. for his jollies is mm. not going to find, you know, real, sh- real sharp tonal shifts to be something that he's able to sled through with a whole lot of ease mm-hmm. and combining the, mm-hmm. the melding of moments in this film. And like I say, I still primarily feel that the, Sequences in this movie that are clearly only in his head, mm-hmm. very fictionalized accounts of what we're what we're being told as as film viewers at the beginning and the end, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. the body of the film, the vast majority of the film, the you know ninety percent mm-hmm. of the movie mm-hmm. is very much, or maybe even ninety five percent of the movie, if you think about just running time, is very much reality with moments where. <clears throat> he's he's observing things and reacting to things that we're being shown a little bit of what he sees it as. Yeah. But there's a stark reality to all of the details. Once he once Christmas Eve starts and he goes out and he delivers those toys, mm-hmm. we have a a mixing of uh, not reality and fantasy. We have a mixing of incredibly good examples of this kind of thing being taken well and being done well. In other words, the idea of uh, going out and trying to be that wonderful person, that gift-giving person, trying to be the mm. epitome, the the the, um, the Santa Claus, the actual Santa Claus, who brings joy to people and who actually mm. does these kinds of things selflessly, there are elements within that night where... He accomplishes that. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments where mm-hmm. you see him feeling like this is everything I hoped it would be. This is what I wanted. This is. I, yeah. It's like a, um, if you if you're gonna call him Closet Klaus, mm-hmm. uh, Closet <laughs> or Closet Klaus. What we have here is it's. And this is another discussion I want to get into a little bit. Those moments, like delivering those toys mm-hmm. and the sequence we'll talk about, the party scene with mm-hmm. uh, the, the family, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 whole, the whole big group that draws him in and makes him part of that party. Yeah. Those are those moments. And it's, I almost want to draw a parallel between uh, someone losing their virginity mm-hmm. and then having a bad experience and then having you know, <laughs> this horrible experience that doesn't work out and yeah. then having another good experience. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's that back and forth because. I have a question for you. And this mm-hmm. is this is something that I think. I'm not a virgin. Very, if that was your question, yeah. I, like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. I am. <laughs> oh shit! Man. Whoops! Your poor wife. I'm <laughs> saving myself. <laughs> for for what? At this point, I'm not sure. The, the elf on the shelf. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I think in her encouragement, she keeps saying, "Like John, you are still saving yourself, right?" Okay. Yeah. Sure. Saying, no, no, I'm tired okay, of saving myself. No, no, you just no, no, no. You need to draw a little bit more interest there, pal. A little bit longer. We're going to keep you in the lockbox just, just a little bit longer, buddy. A little bit longer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's exactly where I feared that would go. Yeah. But the question becomes, to my mind, has Harry ever had a romantic relationship in his life? I don't oh, think so. Oh, I would so. seriously think not. I don't not. think so. I would so. seriously think not. But, like, once again, your typical horror movie would have made his whole thing about sexual yeah. repression. But that's not but what it's not. it is. No, it's not. and Not at all. But, no, I would have to say it's hard for me to imagine... That he has, you know, that he has at any point. Yeah, had. they don't even, you're right, I didn't even think of that. They don't even hint yeah. in any direction that there's any sort of a sexual... He doesn't seem to have sexual urges. Yeah, and, yeah, and, right. and yeah. you're right, there's never a point where he's... Well, now I take that back. He does spy on his brother. And, and, sees, and sees, yeah, where they're kind of making out and, on the couch. And then he, he but flashes a, but back. But you don't really know. But that's an obvious parallel Yeah, because even they show scenes from the... 
from the past. From his he sees his mom right. and dad yeah. together. So we're not sure if that's a peeping Tom thing or not. But otherwise, there's nothing about him as a sexual being at right. all. No, no. So if this is because at this point, let's just let's just say it. Much like watching Repulsion, we're, we're looking at someone mm-hmm. who's had a psychotic break. Mm-hmm. Now he's high functioning. Mm-hmm. He's doing. He's he's got a plan. He's set out. He's accomplishing specific goals. Whether those goals are good or bad, or mm-hmm. it's situational. <laughs> let's yeah, let's, yeah, let's admit yeah. that. But he's delusional. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think no, that's pretty yeah, obvious. Absolutely. He's seeing things in a way that are close to reality, but aren't quite there. He's smart enough to know that he's in certain situations that are dangerous. Yeah. So he's aware of kind of a sense. He, he's aware of uh, self-preservation and the need to maintain himself. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing as the as Christmas Eve goes on is not. And this is a strange thing. And this is something that I think is very well structured in how the script is written. We're not seeing an escalation, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is what, once again, you would expect mm-hmm. from a horror film. Yeah. Is escalation to... More body count, higher right. violence, mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What you're seeing is him acting out very specific things. And think about the structure of it. Mm-hmm. It almost starts to feel once you've watched the movie too many times, <laughs> as if he goes and does something that is completely good. The first thing he does is deliver those toys to those kids. Right. But the next thing is almost as if it's some kind of weird reward to himself mm. to indulge in something that he knows isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. And as it's almost as if by surrounding the bad things, those horrible urges, that desire for revenge, that desire to 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 do away with the nastier aspects of of the the elements in his company that, that he works for that are tainting this thing that should be so much more pure. Yeah. By surrounding those horrible things that he knows he shouldn't <clears throat> be doing with acts of outright kindness. In other words, getting that that joy mm-hmm. of committing those acts that are just pure bliss mm. Mm. he's covering over the horrible things that he you can see him feel when he's realized what he's done when he yeah. impulsively attacks those people in front of that church mm. he's pushed to that i don't think and this is just my way of looking at it and watching the actor's face i don't think he went to that church with the idea that he was going to kill these people no. i think that he yeah, went to this church either. To possibly just see them or possibly just confront them in some way. Mm. And, and maybe, in the back of his mind, he thought, if I can take that joy that I just experienced and bring yeah. that here, it will change them. Right, because what's happened before is definitely the, the high point of him for the movie. Because Correct. he's so excited after what's gone so great with the kids there. Oh, you he's, know, he's, he's vibrating. He's, he's, yeah. he's, just, he's just having the greatest, you know. So he's really on a roll. He thinks... I can do this, you know, right. I can be, and, you know. And then it's spoiled. Right. And you have this horrible thing where his impulsive nature comes becomes violent mm-hmm. and these people die. Mm-hmm. And he gets, he, he jumps in his van and rides away. And the structure of it, like I say, would be escalation if this were a typical horror film, but it's not. No. He immediately is so horrified by this, mm-hmm. he has to find a way, and this is a typical human thing, he has to find a way to forget it. He has to find a way to push it out of his mind. He has to find a way to look, be able to look at himself in the mirror and not be 
the bad guy. But he's terrified. Now he's really he's he's off his game. He's scared. But he's still out there. And he's still in that costume. And I think it's very telling. We we I, we skipped over the scene where he puts on the, oh, the beard. Uh, that's he, a where great he spirit gums yes. the, mm-hmm. uh, the beard that, to himself. And when he's that's oh, that, that's, that's the beginning of his real right. Derangement and he makes sure it can't come it. off. Yeah. It's really glued. And on. And then we never see him again without it. That's yeah, where, he, for the rest he, of the film. He's never without it for the rest of the film for the next two days. He's still got that on there. And it's it's one of those things where. You see him really tugging on it mm-hmm. to the point where I honestly think the actor was probably hurting himself. Mm-hmm. And it becomes evident that this is his transformation. He mm-hmm. sees this much like, as, as you can say it in a funny way, but this he is, he's changing himself. He's changing himself. Mm-hmm. He is, as, as weird as it may seem, there's a parallel to buffalo bill in silence of the lambs mm-hmm. this is a man who's created a suit to get into to become the thing that he wants to be mm-hmm. and from here on the rest of the film he is that character mm-hmm. until he's done enough terrible things and he's finally confronted mm-hmm. by the fact that these actions that he's trying desperately to put out of his mind are they, he can't ignore them anymore. He's being chased by people who want yeah. who want to kill him because they they're fearful that he's going to harm their children. Mm-hmm. Boy, we've really skipped ahead now. Yeah, yeah we did. Of course, part of that too is before he glues the beard on with him was just the white wig. Yeah, where he also looks remarkably like another big fan of hanging out with kids, Jimmy Savile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> British listeners will know what we're talking uh, about. But it's yeah. true when he has that yeah, wig on. He's like, that wig it's on. like Jimmy Sapp. It's a strange... I know. He looks really bizarre with that wig on there. Man. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I'm sorry. I was I was going off. It's, it's just that the... No, good points. Very it's, good it's, points. It's, it's a way of, of, of pointing out that this film subverts what a... Let's call them casual horror fan would mm-hmm. be looking for from a mm-hmm. story this time. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. They're not gonna enjoy this, right? Because just yeah. as things start to happen, and let's let's be honest, there's a little blood in this film, but it's not. I mean, I love the movie, okay? Yeah. But a technical problem with this film is that the 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 violence mm-hmm. isn't very uh, technically adept. Yeah, no, it's okay. it's probably the, the yeah exactly. I mean, it's 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 the blood real. doesn't look right. No, uh, the 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 wounds on people's mm. throats or mm. or wherever they might be, they, they 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 look you know they look fakeish as hell. I mean, they're not you know this is not you know top of the line Tom Savini mm. you know Friday the Thirteenth Part mm. Four style special effects on you know people's necks being slashed or whatever. The little sword to the eye should have brought in Lucio Fulci to direct that that <laughs> that, that, that one shot there. Maybe we could have got. Let me show you how it's done. Though. Get the lenticular cover with it going. <laughs> yeah, <into the> right. <laughs> like, like this. Make, like it, this. make it the woman squeal. <laughs> yeah. Stretch the scene out to ten minutes. And, and I said, "Talk like a duck." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Harry at this at this asshole coworker's house, he does finally find a way in. He gets in through a, a window that he's able to to push open in the the basement of the house and goes in through the den and upstairs. And. uh he actually goes in and smothers the guy in the bed next to his wife, which is a very interesting scene. It takes a while to smother this guy. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay, let's ask a simple question here. If you've seen this movie and you know this scene, the question becomes, okay, so are we in his head or is this the way it really was? Mm. And I used to think that some of this had to be in his head because the wife 
doesn't react as fast as she should. Now, granted, they're both asleep. It's the middle mm-hmm. of the night. Watching it this time, I really began to feel, no, this is a brutal reality. This is this is mm-hmm. tech, this is how it happened. And part of it, the real selling point was the woman once she once she once she reacts, she can barely get any sound. Yeah, out she, of her I love that. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great touch. Yeah, I think it's a great touch. Yeah, which is great, but also because it really takes a while mm-hmm. for him to kill this guy this way. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually he has to cut his throat with that yeah. star from the tree. This right. mother, yeah, yeah even the smothering doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was. I, 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 I sat there watching this, and I couldn't. I, I was really shocked that my memory of this scene was different because my memory of it was this scene plays more like we're in his head. But now I see no, no, no. This plays like this is this is the way this shit went down. This yeah. seems to be very brutally realistic mm-hmm. because. In case you've never sm- if you've never smothered or strangled someone, let me tell you, it takes a while. <laughs> I mean, you really got to commit to it. You've got notebooks full of little notes. No, you yeah, 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 you're not doing this <laughs> fast, folks. I want you to take my word for it because you could you could get caught. I'm you know it's, I, I'm not saying that I've ever done this before, but I'm telling you right now, it takes some time. I mean, your finger, your thumbs, they may cramp up, and you need to think about that when you grip. He's trying to reach Probably. ultimate mummy level of strangling. strangling you know, it's like it's like cause they just do it so quick. Those mummies, man, it's yeah. like five seconds. That's the only thing they do fast. And it's back to and, just and then it's just back to just rumbling along. But damn, they can strangle you and just like, yeah, seconds yeah, flat. Yeah, yeah, fuck both of you. <laughs> <coughs> oh, now I'm gonna cough myself to death. <laughs> Don't just stand it. Come on in. No, I, 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 I can't. You have to. We've caught you. Come on. Man. Hey, everybody. Hey, look who's here. Merry Christmas, children! Merry Christmas, Santa! Well, let's see what Santa has for you this Christmas. There's a nice gift. Oh, here's another one. Santa made himself. They did so yeah. How do you and the missus like your first New York religious experience? What do you mean what we look like? No, 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 no. There was something different about this guy. Different? Yeah. What do you mean? I don't different. know. I can't explain uh, it, This isn't easy to explain. I, uh... Tells you how funny a person can be, doesn't it, Father? Oh, Gleason. Hello, Grilla. Dantley. You're going to love what we got so far. Let me guess. Everyone saw Santa Claus. <laughs> I did. I did. I have to say that disturbingly, the uh, the dead man once he's killed this guy and is leaving the house, the 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 young man's awakened kids wave happily to the departing yes. Santa Harry, <laughs> just as their mother's screams finally actually get out of her throat. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, based on their father, they're probably pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they may be overjoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> this is true. Thank you, Santa. We love you. <laughs> Well, this uh, appears to be the last thing that Harry accomplishes that night because he wakes up 
No, 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 wait a minute. We're wait, skipping wait, a major, major yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, wait, the, wait, the, wait. Part, the Friends and Family Association. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. I skipped, I skipped over that. You're right. That 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 is a mistake. Because um, that's one of the... I'll go ahead and jump back to that. Because well, the, the, yeah, this when you were talking about the um, the good and bad parts of Christmas, that's definitely one of the good parts, is that mm. as he wanders along, he comes across this sort of looks like a... It's almost like a community gathering, yeah. block party indoors. You see the actual game. name of the... Of it's the, like the Friends the, and Family. Friends and Family Association or something like and that. And they're having an indoor Christmas, like a dance. Uh-huh. And these two guys see Santa looking in through the window. Hey, come on in, Santa! And they immediately, like a girl comes up, gives them a drink. This will warm you up. And, and they're not making fun of well, him. Well, they have to pull him in because he's he's really rattled at this yeah. point. Yeah. And he's, he's just observing them through the window. And he doesn't... He really doesn't want to go in at first, and they insist. They grab him and pull him yeah. inside, and he's a little frightened. Yeah. But then once they have him inside, and he it's nothing, and the kids are excited to see him, and yeah. the adults are just so thrilled to have him there. He joins and he's dancing with everybody, having a great time. And this is part of what you're talking about, where the good parts of Christmas, where here's a cold stranger. They don't know let's, this guy at all. Let's yeah. bring him in. He's part of the friends and family. They get they give him they give him something to drink. They mm-hmm. give, you know, they put some food in his hand and then they, and, they, and this is and is it okay if oh, I drive please, John, this sequence? Yes, please. This is what we've been excited about. Yeah, I, I couldn't wait to talk about this when Troy and I watched this movie. Um, and you probably did too. But as I'm watching the movie, I'm watching the credits to mm-hmm. see if there's mm-hmm. any names that pop up. Right. And it gets to the credits for this sequence. I'm like, no, that can't be. So I go back and look. The accordion player in this scene, it's a three-piece band, is played by Dan Federici, Phantom Dan Federici from the E Street Band. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And um, I did a little research and found out that the other people in the band, apparently they had played in this combo before. Hmm. On um, sax was Artie Bressler, who played with some other E Streeters on a 1980 album called Asbury Park Then and Now. And the drummer was Jack Scarinella. I'm, I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sure it might be Jack Scarangella. But he was an original member of the Clarence Clemens Red Bank Rockers Band and also La Bamba's uh, band from uh, Conan O'Brien's group. Oh, wow. Oh, so these okay. are all like New Jersey, yeah. you know, working musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could never find how Dan Federici wound up in this thing. Yeah, and, and even on the, yeah, because I know in the audio commentary, the director points out that that's who he is or yeah. something, you know, but he still doesn't really give you, he says like, yeah, this was his a band that he just got together, like he had this band that would play parties and do all this stuff, and but he never really says like how he came to connect with him because the weird thing about it was this is not like Dan Federici is, is struggling or something at this point. This is a 1980 I mean, the East Street Band is already huge. Oh, they're going to oh, yeah. so it's like, like the river. So, it's, so era, yeah, so, so it's not like, so how did, you know, uh, it, it's just bizarre to, to think, like, how did he end up with this uh, this uh, this role here or as the as the accordion player at this party? But, and like Hud and I talked about, Federici was never like a super distinctive looking kind of guy, so neither of us recognized him on first passing. It's just seeing his name on the credits, and then you go back and like, oh, yeah, that is him. him. And he never gets like a big, juicy close-up. <laughs> no, it's no. not like you're looking at a guy like, Bob Dylan or somebody where instantly oh look at that but yeah. when you go back it's like yep there he is he's, yeah. he has maybe seven or eight seconds of actual screen time yeah and um, there's a there's a soundtrack album to this film available oh, oh there is well it's out of print now but it, Mon, I think Death Waltz released it okay and you can actually still get it online for about the same cost cost when it came out like $30 ish which is you know unfortunately for us old people that remember when you could buy albums for $5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can get it for about regular price, mm-hmm. but the jingle bells that they play on the uh, the sequence isn't on there. Okay. Oh. But I sent you a link to yeah. 
a page. So hopefully it'll be on the show. Backstreets, the Springsteen website, mm-hmm. posted I guess about ten years ago a link to an MP3 where you can you can hear it. And I think Rod's oh, going to put great. it on the show. Oh, so it's excellent. the actual performance of Jingle Bells from Dan Federici. Oh, kind how of cool! Well matter done. Fact, well done. I'll, 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 let's I'll, take I'll, a break I'll, and let's hear that. Yeah, yes. let's check that out. thing with this this party sequence which is kind of like really kind of like which when you say the last feel-good segment of, yeah. the, of the movie really oh, it's yeah. kind of like all downhill from from here yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like but um you guys probably uh he may have mentioned it on the commentary y'all listened to but he pointed out that the kids are great in this scene but the the, the scene where he really kind of freaks the kids out you know yes. there and we really kind of see i think what the director really kind of felt was the heart of the movie where the guy shows the two sides, Harry shows the two sides kind of of Santa Claus of the whole yeah. Santa Claus myth there, where he he's very nice he's, when he's telling the kids his goodbye message, you know, and saying, you know, you you be good, and I'll bring you all kinds of great presents. And he's like, but if you're bad, I'm going to bring you something horrible, horrible, you <laughs> yeah. know. And the kids are all just kind of like frozen, you know. And then he just bursts into laughter, yeah. and they didn't tell the kids he was going to, you know, or he, they yeah. didn't know he was going to do that. And the reactions from the kids, especially the little girl on the right, is like just the most adorable. Her her reaction is just one of the greatest mm-hmm. greatest things because she's generally like shocked and then just immediately starts laughing about it. And yeah. it's, it's you know the kind of thing you could never you, you could never, never plan. It's just one of those great beautiful uh, reactions there. But I actually wanted to use this scene to, to, to actually tell a little personal Christmas anecdote. So oh. I'm going to tell you guys a Christmas story. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Ooh, I know you got to start the got to start. This is my heartwarming tale. But actually, Ima- imagine cellos playing in the distance. <laughs> I hope I haven't told this story before on one of our holiday horrors. If I have, I apologize. But maybe it's just like all Christmas great Christmas stories. It needs to be repeated. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm hoping don't, that don't fuck this up. Now, yes, sure. but to me, just this, is, the this per- is your annual viewing of. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> this, this is that's right. Um, You're without a Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> so this, but to me, this is the perfect time to tell it. So I hope that I haven't told it before to all the listeners out there. But anyway. This would have been probably late seventies, early eighties, whatever. But we were uh, Chris, I had a family Christmas party, and my family was hosting this year. And uh, we lived kind of out, you know, out in the country. Well, still there, the country, it's still considered, I guess, close to the country or getting that getting that way, uh, or out that direction. And um, anyway, so we're we've had all the aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. And you know, at this point, I'm you know late teens or early twenties. I think late teens probably. Um, but there's 
several kids at the party because some of the aunts and uncles had started marrying, you know, getting kids and all that. And so there's probably about five or six kids that are of the Santa believing age, whatever there. And, you know, we're while in there partying, opening presents, all that. Suddenly all the kids go start going nuts and yelling and pointing at the window. We all look over and Santa Claus is looking in our window, is, is standing oh. out there on the front porch and is, is gazing and looking in the window, you know. So we all, of course, go to the door, open it up. And sure enough, Santa Claus comes in, you know, full dressed, and he's got his, his, you know, bag of stuff, and, you know, comes in, and he's he's all jolly, and the kids are going nuts, and so they're all gathering around him, and everybody's having, taken photos of him, and meanwhile, the uh, you know, all of us, you know, adults and I are, like, looking at each other and kind of, like, you know, with kind of questioning looks, yeah, shrugging shoulders, who's, like, who snuck who's, off? Yeah, we're like, you know, we're like, did you, know, did you, did you do this? Did you, is this your idea? It wasn't my idea, you know, everybody's, like, you know, finally, I think it's my Uncle Russell, I think, comes over saying next to me, and he said, he said, uh, he said, I think Santa's a little jolly, and he kind of made a little drinking, you know. He's got, I think he got over a little close and got a little little, little hint of, of, of yeah. Santa's breath. And so, we, you know, he entertains the kids for a while, and the kids all get their pictures taken with him. They're just going nuts. We're just sort of playing along with it. And then it's, you know, bye, Santa. He ho, 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 and he leaves. And we're all sort of like, well, that was cool. What was, you know. <laughs> cool but strange. Come to find out over the next few days that, that uh, the, well, essentially this guy, this was a common routine for him to, uh, he was just some local who would get tanked up, you know. <laughs> Dress up as Santa Claus and just go around and, and visit people and Come spread out of the Christmas joy. And- <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then eventually, usually at some point during the night, you know the the you know he'd, <laughs> he'd be pass out of the bushes well, well, or- yeah, or he'd you know the he'd end up like you know dr- be driving down the road dragging a Christmas tree behind his car down the road, or something you know. And the, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. I know that's one of the things I heard, you know. And eventually, the police would pick him up and bring him in, like Otis on Andy Griffith. He would just you know bring him in and let him let basically sleep, it, sleep off, it, yeah. it off in a cell, you know. So. So my point of telling that story when relating to this is, again, it's just that, that kind of, well, one of the, um, Harry's real dilemmas in this this film, and it becomes more and more evident as it goes on and starts, is that he he's really befuddled by the fact that people don't want Santa Claus. That's what he says. And then he yeah. says, just that, I thought they wanted Santa Claus. Yeah, they, they don't. don't. They don't Everywhere he goes is like he's, and even in the scenes that turn out good, like where he's delivering presents to the kids at the hospital, he's not immediately greeted with open arms. And no. even when he's pulled into this party, when the guys first pull him in, you almost kind of think maybe they're bringing him in to maybe have Harassing a joke at his experience or yeah. something and he quickly wins him over but 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 it's really that that kind of thing that we that in real life you know every the most suspicious person in the world is the person that comes teaching peace or joy or bringing oh, yeah. pure happiness that's who nobody trusts oh yeah i mean if some guy shows up you know and, and especially now and he's won't deliver packages to a hospital and something what do you think the reaction is going to be we got to, you know it's like you know on your stomach you know this you know and like, like, lunatic are you? drawn guns you know well, so. I was when you're telling the story i just pictured him showing up at my house and my dad yep had a boy showing up at our house he'd be looking up from the wrong side of the grass <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, that's the thing. As great as it was for the for the kids, we all were like, like I said, we're playing along, but we're all definitely like, you know, just like wondering what what's this yeah. guy's deal. I mean, you know, you never know what this guy's gonna do. So. <laughs> oh my god. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 talk about the last um, mm-hmm. the last act of this film, <clears throat> which is where I'll be. I'll be honest. I think that. Um, when, once Harry wakes up on Christmas Day, he slept in that in his you know Santa mm-hmm. sleigh painted mm-hmm. van mm-hmm. overnight, and it turns out that where he ended up parking was at work. Mm-hmm. So it's Christmas Day, and he goes in goes into the warehouse, mm-hmm. the toy manufacturing uh, warehouse, and is essentially just there all day by himself, and you see him. This is this is that stretch. This is the stretch of the film where I feel. It's a it's a little long, 
Mm-hmm. There's a little too much of this sequence of him getting through Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. We see too much of him in this warehouse trying to kind of pull his shit together or figure out what he's done or what he's going to do mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But it's intercut <clears throat> with some interesting stuff because what it's intercut with are the cops running around hunting their killer Santa. Even goes so far as to pull, put a bunch of, uh, of Dime Store Santas in a mm-hmm. lineup for witnesses mm-hmm. from the church. Which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the problem is that putting an APB out on St. Nick on yeah. December the 25th right. ain't exactly the best move, and it really does not, of course, net them their guy. But I mean, the one guy did yeah. say, no, this isn't right. This guy had dark fur. Right. Yeah. 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 Which they, yeah. So they they did have a good clue there. And nearly every one of these Christmas movies like this play, did some kind of play on that multiple Santa Claus mm-hmm. sort of thing. This one doesn't as much as some of the others that we've yeah. seen or will see, but it's at some point yeah. they all kind of draw that whole thing about why a killer dressed as Santa Claus <clears throat> would pose a certain problem. Yep. Especially well, <clears throat> right now. Yeah. He's running around. So Harry runs around this warehouse. He's turning on uh, all the toy making equipment and really making a bit of a mess. And you're climbing up onto mm. the scaffolding and looking down all over, over the whole place. Mm. And it's clear that he's really trying to process what has happened the night before because he's not really sure what to think of his own actions and he doesn't know what to do. And he mm-hmm. ends up sitting down in his office or in a, an office there. I don't think it's his office and calling up his brother because mm-hmm. this being Christmas day at some point, much like on Thanksgiving that he begged off on, he's supposed to go over to his brother's house, you know, his mm-hmm. brother and his wife, uh, and their two kids, and you guys, as you can expect, Christmas the kids dinner. love him, which you can see why they yeah, would. They, they love Uncle Harry because why not? You got a, someone who believes in his, his, you know, in Christmas as much as they do. Yeah. Yeah. And the wife is like very sympathetic. And she's actually, yeah, she's like, well, and, you're yeah. too tough on him. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the more interesting things. Jeffrey Demond plays his brother Philip, his younger brother, and although I think the the writer director of the film beats himself up a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I, I see why I see why he feels this way. He feels that he didn't um, emphasize enough the growing realization, even before that phone call is made by Harry to his brother, that growing realization of the brother that these news reports they're reading about mm-hmm. somebody who's mm-hmm. dressed they in a Santa costume, he beca- he, as mm-hmm. time goes by, becomes completely convinced that his brother has something to do with this mm-hmm. because he hasn't seen him in mm-hmm. weeks. He didn't come over for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. He hasn't seen him all December. He's not shown up yet on Christmas, and we haven't heard a peep from him. And he's not if he's home, he's not answering the phone. Mm-hmm. He's concerned, and the, and Lewis Jackson seems to feel that he didn't necessarily communicate this escalating anxiety within uh, the the Philip, the brother mm-hmm. character. And I don't think that's true. Maybe he could have made it bigger. Well, I think the only, but, only problem I had with the brother character is I maybe felt like it would have been nice if he had displayed a little bit more sympathy towards Harry in yeah, some it's respect. Nothing but disdain. You can see, it, you can see much, why right? he's you can see why he's frustrated. But I feel like if it, it it maybe just been a few little grace notes of kind of brotherly love there mixed in with the you know I mean there's there's a concern to a point as far as like why aren't you coming like there's a certain amount of worry there but there seems to be yeah. more just anger anger and frustration yeah. and i think see that's why i don't i can't i can't fall completely on your side of that because i do feel that when when you get to that those lines of dialogue once harry shows up at the house mm-hmm. when you get to those lines of dialogue where the 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 key line from the philip character is when he says you you're hanging all of this on on one thing that i said when i was 6 years old mm. 
And Harry's not denying it. Yeah. Because that's the moment mm-hmm. at which it all broke for him. That's the moment where Harry's psyche broke. Mm-hmm. And his younger brother saying what he said was part of it. And he made, he fixated on it. Or actually, that's when he climbs up to the attic. Yeah. And that's when it's over for him. That's when the change was made and he's never whole again. He's never really, mm-hmm. all the pieces never fit back together properly again. And it's clear from that line that these two men have talked about this repeatedly because Harry doesn't say you said X, Y, Z. He, he start, they start talking in general about this mm-hmm. and Philip comes out with that. He says, he says specifically mm-hmm. because of what, one thing I said when I was six years old, you're you're going to hang this on my shoulders. You're going to put mm-hmm. this on me. Mm-hmm. And, to a degree, Harry doesn't deny it, but that whole reaction there, that whole thing, that inner, this is one of those neat little moments where you've got a couple of actors who are able to convey the mm-hmm. fact that there's years of arguing about this between these two men. I feel maybe he could have hit it harder, but I think mm-hmm. that that bit, the the line of dialogue right before that, and his mm-hmm. yelling that at his brother right before he becomes violent with him, spells it out. And like I say, maybe not the first time you see the film, which is a problem, mm. clearly a problem, sure. especially considering the reaction this film garnered. But second, mm. third viewings, mm. that becomes a key moment between those two characters and explains their entire lives since mm. that night. Mm. So while I consider it uh, to be horrible to uh, react this way to just you know seeing your father orally pleasure your mother... Um, <laughs> At least, at least we have an understanding that these two characters. This is not, this has not been a silent thing between these two siblings their entire lives. It seems that they have discussed this because the brother. It's it's clear they never get real specific about it. But the Philip character and his wife, she's really sympathetic toward her brother. But the thing that she doesn't have is that knowledge, mm-hmm. that visceral knowledge that no, I can tell you when my older brother. Mm-hmm became someone I have to take care of. Mm-hmm. And he blames me. Yeah. He blames me for not, for his faults. He blames me. And that frustration and that anger and that build, mm-hmm. it, it played as very emotionally, emotionally realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think it's even harsher that that scene is immediately followed. Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, you have that outburst of violence where yeah. you... You fear that yeah. the Philip character may have, may have, the, killed, him. May have yeah. killed him, may have actually just yeah. gotten so frustrated that he strangled him to death. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry, I just went back for just a second earlier and said, did you pick up on the fact that the the two the two son the two his two kids the brothers Philip's sons may be heading down the, or like one of them says like I think like they're kind of a contrast in one believing in in in, in Christmas and the other. I mean, they don't really say it, like, but one of the kids says, oh, that's okay. I've known what do you say something like I've known for years. There's no Santa Claus, or he says something mm-hmm. like that. And the other one says something about Uncle Harry. I can't remember the exact dialogue, but I feel like there's a contrast oh, between one said, of the kids. The, yeah. and, so one of the kids saying like Uncle Harry says. Uncle Harry about, says he's real. Yeah. And but I almost feel like the other kid or something says something to the effect. I didn't that, think of that. I think, I think so. And now I wish I'd written down the exact lines of dialogue. But it seemed like just a little parallel between the two sons. You may be right. Almost following in the same path as as Philip and Harry. Well, and here's the horrible thing: is the movie goes way out of its way mm-hmm. to parallel. That opening scene of yeah. the two kids and the mom on the stair on the staircase, you know, looking yeah. through looking through the the banister at Santa Claus coming down the chimney and leaving the gifts, and this final scene where 
Although the mother, this you know, the mother ushers both those children upstairs, yeah, and yeah. so that they can't see this. But she comes back down, halfway down the staircase and is in that same position, sitting on the stairs, watching these two brothers argue and fight, mm-hmm. horrified at what she's seeing. Yeah, I, 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 what you're what you're pointing out is is a, is a good detail, mm-hmm. and it seems to me that this is a breaking of the cycle. The kids don't witness this. Yeah, yeah, but that's what you think until. Yeah. Harry, Harry is dragged bodily out of the front of the house, and we get that shot of the two kids upstairs staring out their yeah. bedroom window and seeing their father yeah. dragging their uncle to the fucking van yeah. Yeah. and shoving yeah. him into it. Yeah. And it's like, oh. Happy Christmas memories maybe now. for the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, remember the Christmas dad strangled Uncle Harry and shoved him in the van, and then yeah, dad punched great. him in the face? <laughs> By the way, people, spoiler alert. Yes, yes, we're coming. Yes. Here comes the horror <laughs> horn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe we should just squeeze a cat and get it to meow. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing, folks. The sequence at the end where I think that it's undeniable. We skipped over. We skipped over. The uh, torch-bearing mob. The top, well, torch-bearing I do want to talk mob. about that for a minute. but, uh, we, but. Well, I mean, well, we, we can back up. What about the tor- torch-bearing well, mob? Well, I love the whole beginning to the sequence. is is gorgeous. That that, yes. that decorate where they found all those Christmas decorations and, yeah. and just, you know, all those light yes. sleds. And, and really, you know, of course, they found all those decorations and they set them up that way. And it's just a beautiful shot. I think it kind of adds to the unreality Right. No, nobody really. You nobody never really would have see. decorated that. Well, but actually, but yeah. it's a great. Lewis huh? Jackson said that's like one of the parts where he says it should be start to obvious here. Be obvious that this is in his head. Yeah. And during the same sequence where the mob is starting to chase him, he gets in the van. Right. And he's like saying, "On Donner, on Dancer," yeah. and you hear like the whip crack. Yeah, in the background while he's saying it. There are a lot of little audio clues Mm -hmm. in certain portions of the film, and especially in this last act, where, okay, that's not a realistic sound. That's not actually happening. I mean, because there are, you know, there's a lot of good good Foley stuff where you're hearing the the tires of the van crunching through the snow and things of that nature, and then they'll be enhanced by, like he says, a whip crack Mm -hmm. or something of that nature that's, well, that's not real. That's not Mm -hmm. happening. What's going on here? So... Well, they start to get the mix. They start to be mixed together a bit. So after, yeah. So after he, you know, during while he's in this neighborhood, he has this confrontation between you know adults and and who are with their children. Yeah, they're trying to get to because by now they know that there's a Santa Claus on the loose mm-hmm. killing people. You know, right. they're trying to get to him, and the kids. He kind of uses the pretense of getting the you know handing out the presents to the kids, and he kind of puts the kids as a barrier between him and the adults. And, and the, kids, the, and the really, kids are and the kids are very willing. Yes. Yeah, are you know, maybe they are. Maybe in his mind he may be seeing that as more you know, in other words, oh, where they all yeah. really gather around him and kind of make a shield, an obvious yeah. shield around. That's another one of those things like, do they really do that or is he is he just and that's how he sees that that he thinks they Yeah. They're okay, gathered around you him, can believe, but are they really adopting yeah, that stance? Yeah. yeah. And it's another scene that you think is gonna go worse than it does. Yeah. Because suddenly there's a switchblade produced, the little girl picks up the switchblade, you're thinking She's going to follow and get hurt, or she's going to stab her dad, or there's going to be something. Yeah, and nothing again, happens. nothing happens for the horror crowd. There's no yeah. nothing overtly violent. Yeah, there's no here. violence at all. But they do start chasing him, and when they start when they start lighting the torches, for me, the first time I saw the film, I thought that's the point, kind of where I was like, okay, okay, where did this fucking? Torch I think come that's from? a little yeah. a little much. Now, listening to the director's commentary, I think his original idea. I can see how visually he thought it would look great because he thought he was going to have. Hundred, a hundred people, people yeah. and he had this vision of looking down on the street and this like line of fire, you know, making, you know, it was going to be a very nice artistic shot. By the time he got to make it, he said, "I had twelve people, I had yeah. the crew to be yeah. this tour." And 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 uh, you know, I, I can see that. I think that 
if we're in this part where where Harry's really losing his 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 uh, view on reality, I think that you could read it as that saying that okay, people are really after him, but it's only in his mind that they're like that he's the monster and they're the classic torch wielding mob. I, I feel like overall in general, maybe this scene could have done without the. The torches, the torches, because I do almost feel like that might have just been a little too burlesque. You what know, I would have yeah, it wasn't clear enough that it was yeah. in his head, or yeah. it would have worked better. Uh, the director on the commentary said that that was his M. Oh, right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. His and there's a great yeah. bit where he's t- telling the story with John Waters about his first vision. John Waters says, Oh, yeah, we always have our first draft like that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, you're like, where you're like, I'm going to have 100 people running <laughs> <Yeah>. down here. <laughs> All these production values. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, one, one quick more reference to that I don't know if he ever pointed out, and it may not be intentional, but the fact the films in New York and all those scenes of, of Harry driving around between his incidents uh, always made me think of Taxi Driver. That's totally what yeah, I thought of. Yeah. All those scenes oh, yeah. of, of Robert De Niro and Taxi sure. Drivers maybe what reminded me of. But uh, anyway, I'm going to you. Maybe one day a real snow no, will come and wash <laughs> and, and wash all the scum <laughs> off the street. Forever. Uh, all the Grinches. All the... <laughs> wash all the Grinches all off the, the street. All the abominable yes. snowmen. All the... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wash all the... Miser, snow miser. All the... Yeah, all the... <laughs> Maybe one day a real yeah, snow no, will we'll come, come and wash all, all the, the Grinches off, off the streets. <laughs> yeah, at yes. the end of the, he goes to the Burger Meister Meister Burgers <laughs> place just, and he blows his <laughs> hand off. <laughs> you talking to me, Burger Meister? You talking to me? <laughs> I'm the only one around, around here. I don't. <laughs> oh man. Well, I really didn't mean for that to go down that road, but I'm, not, got, I'm not sorry. He's got Cindy Lou Who turning tricks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've got to take this dildo back to Santa's workshop <laughs> and repair it because it's only vibrating on one side. <laughs> oh, we should oh, we should really stop right oh, now. I just yes. mm. oh, start writing that script. <laughs> yeah, almost assuredly. Someone or book someone's writing down have impure thoughts <laughs> for all of us. Yes. Merry Christmas. There's a, a lot of pollution between here and the North Pole. Don't. <laughs> what are we gonna Keep do, Keep quiet, Teresa. Oh I bet, I bet, I bet I could come up with a few more surprises for you. Oh my God. Don't talk like this, Let me handle this. For you. Don't! It's gonna hurt our kids. We're not even sure it's him. Not sure my ass. Look at the fur on that suit. But the kids! We need help! I don't need no help. Don't. Don't come any closer. These children know things that obviously you don't understand anymore. 
they love me. Move away from them. They want someone to notice who's good or bad. Someone to guide them, someone to take responsibility so they don't have to make those decisions themselves. I said get away from them or I'll rip your guts out. And now it's time to, like I say, once again, warn everybody else about spoilers because mm-hmm. there's a. Would, would you refer to the final scene in this movie as controversial? Ooh, I'd say, well, once again, considering that people threw things at the screen, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the director said he was in the audience, and, uh, you know, in this ending that people pretty much rioted, you know, I would say, yeah, well, probably. He, he said that he saw it with different audiences, and well, some audiences. Well, really yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's I'm, I'm sure, yeah, but I mean, I would have to think. Yeah, if you I haven't would, picked up on the fact that not all of this is real, this ending I mean, is going to really it would greatly it, it would greatly it, de- it would greatly yeah. depress me to think that that somebody you know to think that people in the audience said like you know I can't be- you know the movie's stupid the dude just drove flew off in his van at the end of the you know I hope that but you know we are talking about the American movie going audience that's right that's right it's ripping off Greece <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, folks. <laughs> but I do, but I will say that there's probably some things the director might have, could have done that might have made it... But see, once you pay attention... Yeah, I mean, I didn't think, I don't think any of us thought for a second... No. ...that, like, you know, that, that the guy actually flows, flies off in his mm-hmm. van at the well, end. No, of course you know? not. Yeah. And, 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 it, and at that point, if you haven't, if you haven't twigged to the fact that mm-hmm. this is... Some, this the, He's ending it this way as mm-hmm. a bookend to the beginning of the movie as well, it's it, you're... You're not paying attention at all. Okay, well, here, go ahead. Well, it's just that, the, okay, well, let's let's spell this out. Yeah, let's just say what happens. Uh, Harry uh, is thrown back into his van by his brother. Uh, he he uh, kind of comes to after being choked out by his brother, punches his brother in the face, and then drives off in the van. And um, is he being chased by cops at that point? I think no, the I mob think, is still, still just the mob. The mob, re- just the mob reappears, mob, which, yeah. of course, just appears in my mind to be something that's only in his head. Yeah, and it could very well be. I, yeah, think, yeah. I think it's very much a case for that. But, this point. He dry, he, but he, because they kind of conveniently just show up right, right at that time. Right, right. Yeah, that's got to yeah, yeah, yeah. be in his head. So Uno Connors right there in the lead. Everybody's... Turning her sequences off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate her. <laughs> Damn it, what the fuck? Yeah, so at any rate, so he, he but he drives off a bridge. Mm-hmm. And, his, and his brother is there. His brother's been running down the street trying to get him to stop. Mm-hmm. And he drives off this bridge. And as the director will point out, it's very clear, if you pay attention, if you just listen, as his brother is laying there looking up at the bridge that his brother's driving off of, you can hear the crash of the van. You can hear the van crash off of there, it's right there on the soundtrack. You did hear those because I yeah. thought the director was saying that he didn't. That I he thought I to, heard that. I that thought the director was too. saying that he wished he had. Maybe it just meant he wished he had it more prominent in there, and that's yeah. made possible. Well, what I it is, it's, it's, something it's, about mixed, the, it's mixed in with the sound right. of you know the sound as his brother falls down that little hillside. Oh, okay, and that scene where he's tumbling yeah. down, it's mixed. Okay, I thought it was after he come to a stop. Maybe that's what he meant. Maybe he meant that he should have put it. Where the audience could hear it more, could hear the crash. So here, right, mm. and and exactly, and I think it's the mix that may be part of his yeah, yeah. his problem with what he ended mm-hmm. up with. But <clears throat> that shot, and it's a, it's a beautifully well rendered miniature. The man, <laughs> yeah, I love that coming off that mm. coming off that bridge and then flying off yeah. like it's Santa's magic sleigh, yeah. flying yeah. off toward that you know with mm. that with that uh, shot of the full moon and you know behind mm. it mm-hmm. and. You know, roll credits, and that is to me. I I kept 
when I first saw this film years ago, you know, well over a decade ago now, I remember thinking to myself, it's a, it's such a weird ending, mm-hmm. but then how else were you going to end it? How, what were you going to do other mm-hmm. than, you know, show the van crashing into the water or onto the ground in a big fireball? Mm-hmm. And, you know, is that is that how you want to end this film? Mm-hmm. Because the the whole movie, the, the, this is a movie about the, the slow deterioration of a man's mental health. I mean, this is a guy who has taken it for as long as he can and he can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he retreats into... Uh, <laughs> He retreats into a fantasy of mm-hmm. what it what he wishes the world could be, mm-hmm. and tries to make it so. Mm-hmm. And of course, it doesn't work out. Well, I think he's a sympathetic I, character. Yes, so if you want yes. to just show, if you don't want to be just utterly depressing, then you can at least show. And other films have done this before too. Is just show that hey, he escaped in some way. He achieved yeah. a certain by you know I perhaps see it going yeah. off the cliff, going down. The yeah. brother has this look of horror, and then you see close up Harry, and then pull out. The mm-hmm. van's going up into the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, Still just, would have confused, probably. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I remember, I remember just, well, I mean, I, I remember just being kind of knocked out. Not necessarily, I mean, just, just appreciating the audacity. Yeah, it was a bold of, move. Yeah, it was. It's just like, I kind of <laughs> had to give, I was like, okay, I'll give you props for that, buddy. That was a crazy <laughs> yeah. freaking, I mean, it's like, it's right up there with the last shot of pieces. <laughs> Once again, didn't expect to be talking about Taxi Driver or Pieces tonight. <laughs> but, you know, you include Troy in a conversation. It's all going to go to hell. That's, That's right. right. It all comes down to bad job suing. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it, th- th- this is something that I, you know, I've, I've given this film a lot of thought at different points in my life. And this past week, having once again turned my mind to this this movie and just kind of what the thi- what. The themes of it are things that I mm-hmm. that I think work and don't work. Right. I think that on, on the whole it mostly works, but mm-hmm. once again, and I remember feeling this the last time I watched this movie, is this let's call it a psychotic break. That's mm-hmm. basically what it is. It feels like this middle aged man, this disillusioned man, disillusioned man's attempt to finally have the childhood he was cheated out of. This is him trying to fight to have the uh, what 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 really was a lost childhood. He clearly never recovered, and that's we get that from the interactions between the brothers when we, when it becomes evident that this has been a problem for the two, between the two of them the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. That kid, Harry, as a kid, feels like he grew up that night that it was over because the central unifying myth of his existence as a kid was destroyed mm. right then it was yeah. over yeah and he papered over it and became you know grew up and became a gainfully employed human being and went out in the world but of course he never has a relationship he's never I mean, like like i say we're, we're, we're surmising that this man's a virgin he's never had right. sex in his life and has never even had the urge whatever broke within him that night took that aspect of the world with it mm-hmm. i mean it's gone he, mm-hmm. he never had that because there's think about it man there's never even a hint that he had anybody in his life no. that, he's, he's, no. that it's been anybody other than him so it's almost as if this is the psychotic break is him trying to be a, is, is him trying to reclaim his his, his lost youth, yeah. trying to be a kid, and of course, as you know, 
almost any middle-aged man will tell you, that can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it will not occur. You will break yourself or harm yourself. Mm-hmm. Or, and mostly, mm-hmm. honestly, you're going to embarrass yourself. Yeah. And all of these things occur only in this heightened reality. It's that much worse. He, get, he kills himself. And one might say that was what he might have at one level mm-hmm. known he was going to do. But this was in, in this was a a two day long suicide. Yeah, maybe hmm. interesting, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. that that's uh, yeah, that's a good good analysis. So, not that that doesn't make the film more, even more slightly depressing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, not not that it's. Yeah. I mean, because him flying off in the van can be seen as a sad but bittersweet kind of ending. The kind of thing where you're you're yeah. thinking to yourself. Well, at least, you know, at, at least it's over for him. His suffering is yeah, over. Yeah. Right. Right. But if in some way you can find, if you can find anything in the movie to point you toward the fact that he kind of started out thinking that this was the last run. This is it. I'm not coming. I'm not coming back to my apartment every. And he never does. Once maybe from the moment. There, maybe from the moment he's watching the Macy's parade. I wonder. That footage yeah. might be where he tells the get brother, "I'm not coming over after I've got." Like maybe that's where he's, that's, he's yeah. his idea starts to when he watches the Macy's parade footage of Santa Claus and starts thinking that's where he starts piecing this together. You know, yeah. that one way or the other, he's 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 going all out. He's going all the way. Not you know changing his life. And if that's so, was that last ditch uh, that last ditch visit on Christmas night? His, his his like last ditch attempt to make some kind of connection with his brother, maybe to yeah, kind maybe. of to find a reason to not mm. die, to find mm. a reason to not <clears throat> take it to the to the final extreme that he knows that it's going to go to, and of course he, he can't. He's too yeah. broken. That can't happen. There's been there's too much pain between these two men. Mm. One feeling that he's been he's been blamed for something that he did when he was a kid, and he can never be turned loose. From it, he can never actually feel as if his brother is enough of an adult mm-hmm. to walk away from it and to apologize and to call it over. Mm-hmm. And the other's so damn broken that he can't figure out exactly what he wants in the first place. You know, why does he go yeah. to visit his his brother? I mean, yeah. story you know, story wise, you can see. Yeah, we certainly we don't. Have to have a, we have to have a circle here where we yeah. come back to this. Well, we certainly don't feel like he uh, he certainly don't doesn't appear like he went there intending any violence of any by any respect. No, of we don't get that feeling at all. all. We feel like so it must so you feel like there was some way, uh, you know, if not in it, just to find you know to find his family to hide out in some way. If, at yeah. the very basis, it might just be because he's on the run and these are the people he knows. But but I think that yeah, you're also to. To uh, finally get his brother to see if his brother can explain to him why this didn't, why this isn't, yeah. why I can't get it, why is this not working? Why is it why? not working? Yeah. Why does it not work? Why yeah. I don't understand? Yeah, and this thing that everybody celebrates is supposed to want, you know. And, and I present it with them, yeah. and more than more, you know, more than half of my attempts get rejected. These people mm. act as if I'm some kind of. They act as if they're afraid of me, mm. and it's because he can't even manage to process the fact that yeah, man, because you're a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you know, we don't have the wonder of children. We have the reality of the world being a place where you have to be leery of people who are trying to take advantage of you, possibly, or may have bad yeah. intent. Yeah, like yeah. guys who show up at the back of a children's hospital and start passing out toys from the back of a van. Yeah. yeah. Might look <laughs> suspicious. Might just, yeah, just <laughs> frowned. It's frowned on a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something I wanted to ask at the beginning of the show, and I completely forgot to, mm-hmm. um... When did, I, I will go to the prom with you. Why, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, I picked out the dress. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yes, it's red because I know you. But actually, the, uh, the, the, the real question that I, ha- that I wanted to ask at the beginning is what 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. When did you first see this film? Because I I didn't see it until it came out on that Synapse DVD. Same here. Was that when you first yeah. saw it? <sighs> Troy, is that is that was your first it encounter? Was, and that when did that come out? That Synapse about ten years ago. About ten or years so? ago. I've yeah. never I've never owned it before this. You know, but uh, unless Central? it's been has it ever been? Did it ever come out in any like compilations or like some of those cheap? Not like, that I parking? know of. I think actually was... I did I did a quick search. Uh-huh. There, there's a there's a there's <clears> one. Probably, you know, dubiously sourced um, mm. for film Christmas set that it turns up on if you search. I'm not sure when see, it came out. It was a DVD. It was a DVD yeah. set. See, I almost feel like I may have gotten that possibly through Netflix, or maybe I yeah. did own it at one point or something. Because my memory of it, I knew I'd seen it one time. Didn't remember. I, you know, I wasn't even sure if I'd seen the film positive until I started watching it. You know, and as soon as I saw him and saw some of those opening scenes, it's like. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have seen this before, but it's been a while, and I'm thinking maybe that was where I saw it was on that that uh, four uh, Christmas horror film compilation. Uh, it's either that or I or I got it through Netflix or something like that, you know. So it's it's but yeah, it's probably been that sounds about right. Like a ten year yeah. period is probably about when I first saw it. I certainly never saw it back like in the '80s, or I never saw it on VHS or anything like and that. And I didn't either. And that's one that I had been wanting to see because of the John <laughs> right. Waters book, right? Because it just that his description is like, man, I yeah, see that. yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this was not a movie that I saw popping up when I was heavy into, but uh, you know, bootleg VHS tapes mm-hmm. in the late eighties, all the way through the nineties. So I didn't, you know, like I say, didn't see this until Synapse put it out, and um, in, in 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 a weird way, I think that it's clearly it's a cult film because it mm-hmm. it, yeah. it became something that we'd heard of at least, yeah, but. Man, talk about one that's hard to get your hands on. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because, and this, 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 I got to thinking about this too. Maybe it's because, you know, it's, it's a seasonal film. So there's only a certain portion of the year that you're going to bend your mind toward trying to track down something like that. And then the rest of the year, it's not even going to come to mind. It's not mm-hmm. going to be something that even occurs to you to hunt for. But regardless, for a lot, for most people, this is a new film. This is a film that, yeah. although, you know, Produced in 1980, mm-hmm. they didn't grow up, you know, seeing this on the on the shelves and thinking, hey, you know, and and, and taking it home one, yeah. you know, December to try to try mm-hmm. to see what weird mm-hmm. thing this might be. Yeah. So for a lot of people, this is this film is kind of a new experience. It's something that um, I guarantee you, there are going to be people who listen to this podcast and have never seen the film. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And they're going to ignore the spoiler warnings. And they're <laughs> they're going to see the film eventually and think that we're insane, and that's <laughs> fine. That's typical. But and if they do want to see it, you mentioned it earlier. The Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, oh man, unbelievable! Yeah, it is. It looks. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and of course, Vinegar Syndrome. I think I can speak for all of us. Is easily one of our top three favorite no, companies. No, they're fantastic. And they do. You're, you're do much great more. Stuff. You're, you're much more of a porn related guy. So <laughs> well, maybe it's top five for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of us just like naked women more than others. Oh, well, this this yeah. is true. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> but now I do love the fact that aside, this the fact that they dig up stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh God, we haven't even talked about. It. No, I'm sorry, but yeah, well, we're heading to that. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually God. setting this up good, for it. Good, oh, yeah. <laughs> they dig up stuff every month to release that is just incredible. And they do a job like they did on this movie, which is like, how did they ever find? Because I guess the director he he does mention in the commentary with Waters, which I'll I'll talk a little bit about it, I guess, in detail because the commentary with John Waters is very filmmaker oriented. Like mm-hmm. at times he's like, hey, how'd you get the snow? Is that fake snow, mm-hmm. or how'd you yeah. get that effect? And 
he mentions once, so did you get, do you own this movie now? And, then, and Lewis Jackson said it took him years, but he does own the movie. So I'm guessing that he owns all the elements. It's just how Fender yeah. was able to do such a great job. And mm-hmm. going to where I'm sure you're about to go, one of the extras on there are copies of the comment cards <laughs> from yes. a preview screening. And that is gold. Yeah, those, those preview screening comment cards, I think, actually were an extra that were also on the Synapse DVD because I'd, oh, gone, really? through, I'd gone through those before. Oh, okay. So I remembered a lot of those specific Oh, my God. Comments. It's gut-bustingly funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just that you, kind of, you can just imagine what the audience, what a test audience response, you know. And it, yeah, and I love how so many of them. It's like it's like ranked from great, good, fair, poor, yeah. and there are more than one person who wrote very poor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's not funny is, is, is a few little instances in there are peppered into someone who seemed to actually really yeah. think it was a good oh, film, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. nice to see. Most of them are just like trash, garbage, you know. Yeah. It's just I love a one of them just says like one word says something like. Need more editing, and then it says, or maybe just destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's your two options, you know. Could you edit it or just destroy the thing? And then one guy down, says, "I want to be like Harry. I want to be like Harry. I want to be like Harry." That was one of them. Oh, I love one of the two that you may have read out too. Is somebody said, "Well, beats Bing Crosby." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the last one, and actually, just if uh, this is my excuse for the guys here who saw me just looking at my phone. The last comment card says, if you've read this far, send an email to Vinegar Syndrome and we'll send you something cool. I did not see oh, that. I, I, I saw did that, but, that. I, but sure, honest, I went to the end, but this, I didn't even see that. This disc came out a couple years ago. Yeah, oh, so you're figuring so that's all I'm gone. That's gotta, well, I'm thinking it might just be like an email back. Yeah. I'm not figuring they're I mean, just from my email, because all it says is just send us an email with the comment card of like Xmas WTF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll send you something cool. So it might be like a poster image yeah. or right. something. But So I looked just before we talked about this. Just, did they send me? I'm like, did Santa send me something? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing yet. So I don't know if that. Still stands, but uh, I was hoping coal. Yeah, maybe that's get something cool. Yeah. Oh, hey, you never know, man. Yeah, you, you never know. know. And I guess if it does come in before the show goes up, we can maybe put it in the show notes. notes yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, well, maybe like it was like I'd like, pose depending on what you get. Yeah. I'd pose it with a big sex doll, you know. You would you would need a new you would need a new sex doll. A new yeah. sex doll. That's right. Yeah, my profile picture is that's public. I can't. <laughs> okay, okay. So, guys, yeah. on the one to ten scale, what do you give this film? What do you give Christmas Eve? I give it. I gave it a seven. Okay. I, I really liked. I, I think the film is very impressive. What he did. I think the acting is really good in it. I think technically he pulled off some amazing stuff. Um, now it's it's easy to see why the film was doomed. Utterly oh, doomed yeah. from the yeah. start in terms of any kind of. I mean, it it it, it fell in this limbo between. You know, at a time when holiday movie, Christmas movies either got to be a warm fuzzy or it's got to be something that totally yeah. turns Christmas on its head in a way that, you know, is almost sacrilegious or something. This film doesn't either one. This film is like, didn't fall into either of those categories, so they couldn't exploit it either way. I sometimes wonder if it might have been better off being a 70s made for TV movie because you could sneak some really weird TV movies out there That's that did some true. really strange things that you yeah. couldn't when you put some in the theater and, you, and it got all this national attention. But in the seventies, you know, they could they could throw some bizarre little TV movies out there that could that could get away with some odd and twisted stuff. And I, I think this movie might have been better, might have had a better life if it had, if it had just done that, or you know, uh, rather than being put out there as a follow up to Halloween mm-hmm. or something like that. But you know, I think that you know that there are parts where the you know where maybe the director could have made things a little clearer, or could have uh, you know uh, told the story in in, in in maybe a slightly different way. For me personally, I really just enjoyed being kind of jerked back and forth through the, you know, what is this next? What's the next scene? You know, where's this going? Mm-hmm. Who is this character? You know, what's he going to do? But 
you know, for people who wanted a Jason or Michael Myers type, we're used to that kind of killer. This right. omnipotent could be anywhere and knew exactly what everybody was going to be. This almost godlike killer. And here you've got this guy who's basically a schlub. Doesn't really, really, nothing really ultimately works out for him. I mean, the few minutes of joy he gets there, he's 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 never really, you know, he's just a disaster waiting around the mm-hmm. corner. Um, you know, it's, it's a film now that I've watched it, you know, several times just getting ready for this show. I don't necessarily see it as one that I'll go back to often or for quite a while, but it is a film that I actually would recommend. I would recommend yes. to people who are to people who are into films that we know, people who are film buffs that we know. I would I would who really enjoy and like digging into films. You know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to just you know anybody across the board who's who's just, you know I want to watch just a good kick ass horror Christmas horror movie or something like that. But I think for you know the people that we know so many of who are just really into quirky and odd and unusual films i would have no problem with recommending it because i actually uh thought it was uh that the director uh pulled off something pretty impressive here i think and i totally totally agree at seven also mm-hmm. and i do also agree when you look at it it's like this movie was never going to make a nickel no no and in fact one of the one of the commentary tracks uh, lewis jackson says that like a, a studio executive said you know if you cut off one of those kids' fingers and eaten it, you'd be a millionaire now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just yeah, yeah. saying you just didn't go far enough for yeah. them. It's like if you're gonna go into making, if you're a gonna film, do this. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta give us more. You know, more. We gotta you know, more for budget. people who want like a, and it would be a small audience who would want like a psychological thriller about a man who thinks he's Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. There's too much horror in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for people yeah. on a horror movie, there's nowhere near enough. So exactly. it's it's a tough it's a mm-hmm. tough sell. Mm-hmm. Except like you guys said, to if you're like your film people who want mm-hmm. like a well um, cult, cult movie aficionado, cult movie instead aficionado. of it's, maybe this is a strange distinction to make, but instead of a horror audience, it's more of a cult movie audience, yeah, or yeah an audience yeah. that would enjoy something like this mm-hmm. next to El Topo, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, in other words, it's not the horror thrills they're necessarily going for, they're going for the quirkiness and the oddity and the mm-hmm. the something definitely different that they necessarily haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do really like the, we've talked about it earlier in the show, is the realistic look of everybody and everything in this film. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I just like that, that naturalistic kind of, you know, no super glamorous stars, you know, or, or perfectly pretty people in it. That they just, everybody in it, I always just look like real people. Like real people like real. Yeah. And it's just kind of, I don't think the film... Other than just obviously the 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 quality of the the you know of it being on film and the fashions of the time, it's not a film that's very dated to me. I don't think. You no, know, not because at all. It's, and, it's, I, it's, and I think the excellent cinematography adds oh, to that uh, so much. I mean, he, that was such a huge. It looks really good. Yes, it does. It still looks realistic. Yes, but, but it still looks yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it occurred to me while you guys were talking that a way that this film could be a success if it were released today, because we didn't have it at the time it came mm-hmm. out, but if it were to get. Like an art house buzz, sort of yeah. like Mandy, which we talked about earlier, yeah. yeah, and started to play like your local art house cinemas. It could have maybe made a little bit of a money because that you could see like people mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to mm-hmm. go see this horror film that's uh, you know mm-hmm. psychological study. It yeah. could have possibly got a little traction that way, but as far as like Agreed. the the 42nd Street people, forget mm-hmm. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, actually uh, have for a long time considered this to be an eight out of ten film. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, every, I think initially I would have rated it lower, mm-hmm. but as the years have gone by, and especially mm-hmm. these viewings this way, no, 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 this one's mm-hmm. this one's really 
hitting it. Mm-hmm. And I know that it is repeated <laughs> viewings that are making me give it an eight instead mm-hmm. of, say, a seven. Yeah, it does impress each time yeah. more on yeah. the viewing. Yeah, and you do see things every time. Yes, yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So this, is, this is a movie that um, I agree with you that it's not a film I'm going to watch every Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Because it's... Um, let's not neglect to point out it's a it's a dark it's a, it's a dark depressing film this yeah. is a this is a yeah. character study of a man's decline mm-hmm. and in that way there's only so much you can get out of this film that doesn't eventually you know leave mm-hmm. you a little down because mm-hmm. you're not watching something that's you're not watching mm-hmm. something that's fun yeah this is not you know light entertainment this is not something that's built to be uh um something to make you uh you know you're not going to laugh at it you're not going to you're not going to feel superior to it or feel that you're being winked at in any way. This is not that kind of thing. This is a dark character study. And therefore, it's not something you're going to reach for off the yeah. shelf, yeah. you know, every time that your mind goes down the dirt, goes down the path of wanting, you know, a seasonal, you know, mm-hmm. a, a quirky horror seasonal film. Yeah. But each time I see it, it impresses me more. There's not a there's not a time that I've watched this movie where I haven't caught some other detail hmm. or seen something a little little sharper, some hmm. some nuance of character or some little bit of acting or some uh, some just even some of the um, uh, the, the amazing uh, detail in the uh, the way that uh, Harry's apartment is decorated yeah. oh, with, yeah. all the, with all the uh, the Christmas paraphernalia. Uh-huh. That is uh, that's that to me is the sign of a film that uh, I mean my God it's what we're talking almost forty years old yeah. now it's thirty eight years old yeah it still works mm-hmm. and it's still, it still I still yeah. I you know yeah of course it's dated because it's just now the time now, it was now it's a period yeah. piece right. but it doesn't it it's not dated in that it feels like the techniques used or the the storytelling uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what what way the way in which the story is told or anything of that nature. Doesn't feel dated. It's just that now it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, cool. I, I think I think it's a I think it's a hell of a film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say, in a lot of ways, it's it's my favorite of the the four things that we've covered so far on these holiday horror podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that may change once we ever do Black Sun Black mm-hmm. uh, Black Christmas. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I would say it's probably it's probably of the. Of course, I guess we've done three films, and then last year's was almost kind of a little too more short. of a short. Yeah, 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 too short. So the three films we've done, I think it's the best made. I think it's the you know I I, I you know the um, uh, New Year's Evil and 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 you know is more of a fun and that's the thing we're talking yeah. about. This film isn't necessarily a fun movie because no. it's more it's a lot deeper than that. You know, whereas New Year's Evil and and uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night were just more like kind of had you know. Uh, big moments of, yeah. of just kind of, yeah, you know, crazy. crazy. So, yeah, fun, they, they yeah. were just fun. Yeah, exactly. So we, maybe those were more <laughs> enjoyable. I think this was the best made of these films we've done so far, though. Mm-hmm. That's, a good, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this year's Holiday Horrors. Um, quite a successful uh, episode this time around. God knows what it's... How, what, I have no idea how long this episode's going to be, but my God, it's going to be probably too damn long. <laughs> Longer than the movie. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the movie is a, is, a, is a trim 94 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I say, I still think that uh, that segment in the Toy Factory in the, in the mm. third act is a little... is a little t- is a little too long. Yeah. But... Because he doesn't really do that much else than just turn on the machines and watch the toys go off. I mean, if it was going to do something, yeah. it needed to be maybe something a little more... Destructive or, or, just, it, yeah. or just crucial. Well, I, yeah. I will say this: I do like the fact that the the I, di- I didn't po- I did not point out that uh, when he makes the phone call to his brother from that office, there's that that old board game, lie, cheat, steal. Oh yeah, that's yeah, in the that's, background. yeah, that's, yeah, and, that's and sorry, and sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And, and it's yeah. like wow, that's 
you know, um, mm. it, it, to my mind, that's like, wow, we're really pounding that nail hard. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, a little, yeah, it's a little, yeah, a little on the nose. I'm but, uh, remember that I meant to bring that up because with the sorry and that too. Yeah. So good callback there. But it's, it is, you know, I don't know if 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 I had seen it at the time, I would have thought, oh, that's that's a nice little subtle thing because it's right. in the background. But uh-huh. no, 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 when you when you when you uh-huh. see it, when I see it nowadays, it's like, no, 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 we're. <laughs> We're really going to hit that nail and then hit it again. You know what? In fact, that reminded me. Let's talk about the movie another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, uh, will yes. you punch him in the head? <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, tune in. Uh, there, there's probably going to be another show between uh, now and January, but I'm not going to make any promises because I'm not sure exactly how the gods of Skype are going to help me. But in January, Troy and I will be back with our next uh, Universal Horrors from the 1940s podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've already talked about the fact that it's going to be our our first film in 1941. We finally made it to 1941. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be discussing Man-Made Monster, the film that uh, did not make Lon Chaney a star. It was another film later in the same year that turned him into a star. Oh, but I love that movie so much. I'm, mm-hmm. Oh, I do too. It's that, gonna be fun I, to do. It's gonna be fun mm-hmm. to listen to. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a film and and a controversial moment. I think I like it more than the Wolfman at times. Oh my gosh, oh you're my gosh. a dummy. I was gonna say sacrilege. That's that's not right. <laughs> I, I, I have my reasons and I will explain them. Yeah. Well, they better well, be good. So, nevertheless, as much as I like Man Made Monster, the Wolfman, like, <laughs> it's on a whole other pedestal. Okay, you want you want to give you one little thing. I've never felt Lon Chaney's performance in The Wolfman was anywhere near as good as it needs to be. Do we know this guy? Do everybody know else. Guy? No, no, no. I quit. <laughs> everybody, everybody else in The Wolfman, everybody else in The Wolfman is making the same film, and Lon Chaney seems like these fucking Pluto or orbiting the sun at a distance that nobody can see. Oh, my gosh. It's really weird. I will, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Dummies! 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 <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, in January, but wouldn't that actually fit the character? And that he's sort of a yes, yes fish it, out of yes, water, and therefore it he it would. Let's just talk about that movie for forty. Yeah. <laughs> it, w- it would fit the character, except that his performance is awful. Wow. Okay. I'm okay. going to start flipping this. I'm going to flip this table over like Simon Lebon <laughs> and every Duran Duran well, video. Hey, you know, well, just be prepared for, you know, we, we do take mail to the Bloody Pit, so be prepared after this yeah. episode to change. Dear to dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Dear douchebag who is wrong. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Here is the reason. This is a box of poo. <laughs> Open it, stick your hand in. Signed, not John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, huh, now that I've started the controversy that I knew, Man. I was trying to put it off until 2019. I really was. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, but did we even get to it in 2019? We may have a long time at the rate, <laughs> the rate that we're going. You know, we may not. Oh, by the, so uh, you've got a point there. That is God said, but true. Folks, thank you once again for joining us. If you want to comment on the fact that I have absolutely no ability to understand what a good acting performance is, the email address is thebloodypit at gmail.com, or you can join us over on the Book O Faces. Um, not on the Twitter machine. I'm still doing the Twitter thing, but it's not an official thing. It's just me twittering away occasionally and wondering why this is everybody's best news feed for shit. I don't get it. Anyway, join us. Give us your comments. Give us your uh, criticisms. Let us know what you like, dislike, anything that you're uh, interested in hearing us babble about. We'd be more than had to, uh, more than glad to get suggestions from the mm-hmm. audience. We do love hearing from people. That's that's yeah. the truth. And by the way, guys, I just want to let you know that I am 
getting you both something for Christmas. Uh, oh, because in my oh. book it says you've not had impure thoughts this this year. You uh, you have pretty fairly good hygiene. Uh, and you, as far as I know, you don't pick your noses. So I'm just glad you weren't looking when I kicked over that trash can. <laughs> in fact, in your book, it says, John, just a darling. Just a darling. <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't know about my complete collection of penthouse either. <laughs> hey, you got the Debbie Harry episode? <laughs> uh, no, but I do have that controversial issue where Tracy Lords posed nude. Oh, boy. Uh, and you know what? That. <laughs> is actually <laughs> when I was we get to in talking about boobs this is great <laughs> when I was looking up the Debbie Harry issue I was wondering if there was some sort of a surprise like that because the Tracy Lords yeah centerfold which she's 14 in it was she that young I thought she, she was 16 she was young it was yeah. like pre it was real young yeah. maybe it's 14 16 either way it's the biggest selling issue of Penthouse of all time because it's the same issue that had Vanessa Williams' Oh God, She's Nude Ooh, yeah. on the cover. So mm. how many of our dads and granddads have child porn sitting in their closet right now? <laughs> well, that, that I, don't know, I don't know how many of them survived. I mean, that was yeah. back in the 80s. I mean, you yeah. think they've still got those collections? Mm-hmm. Well... We do. I mean, <laughs> you're saying it was a, it was a, fam, a cherished family heirloom that is was there, passed from father to son. That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah, but it is kind of amazing to think about that. Like that yeah. sold like kajillion copies. Also, had a high patient lead pictorial in it as well. So <laughs> that would have sold me. So. Okay, okay, okay. Pretty big issue. Oh, but, but people, people, we're in ending spirit, this talking in the about spirit of Christmas. Christmas. In the spirit of Christmas, we're talking about pornography. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord. That's right. <laughs> so, I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And I'm John Hudson. And happy holidays, folks. Talk, man, oh man, he's really gone. Dig that crazy Santa Claus with his bag of toys. Drags his sack through a chimney stack. All the little hep cats jump for joy. Cool it, Rudolph, cool it with your nose aglow. Tell those groovy reindeer when Santa starts to blow. Santa Claus, well, I do believe he will bring some crazy toys, so you better be good this Christmas Eve. Dig that crazy Santa Claus with his red suit on. Dig talk man oh man he's really gone dig that crazy santa claus with his bag of toys drags his sack through chimney stack all the little hep cats jump for joy cool it rudolph cool it with your nose aglow tell those groovy reindeer when santa starts to blow Well, I do believe he will bring some crazy toys, so you 
You better be good this Christmas Eve Jingle jangle Jingle jangle So, so much porn talk with you. I know. It's, hey, it's, you know, 